the Joe Rogan Experience. voice makes me uncomfortable dude i'm gonna be honest with you because it's not really a black guy voice it's a white guy talking like a black guy which is never cool which is not even right it's yeah. actually a robot that's been programmed to be a black guy well it's a robot that's white made by white people they don't know how to do a black voice i liked kira knightley better kira knightley was better that was so hot <clears throat> there's something about uh someone a black guy faking a white voice is really completely acceptable <laughs> you know i do the best black voice yeah oh dude what is it does it weird you out though when you can call somebody on the phone and you know that they're black when you're talking to them <laughs> you're like how would i describe this to an alien you know how would i describe how i know this is a black guy but i know it's a black guy I missed that laugh. Oh, that's so funny. That laugh brought to you by Bert Kreischer, ladies and gentlemen. Follow Bert on Twitter. B-E-R-T-K-R-E-I-S-C-H-E-R, also known as Bert the Conqueror on the Travel Channel, which just started, right? Yep. Last week was our first episode, first week. Powerful. Yeah. And it was a rating success. Great ratings. And great social media success. Social media success was a brand new thing they track on Trend TV or TV Trenders. And uh, my agent sent it to me. He's like, you conquered. And I was like, I did? And he was like, you were number nine, right behind the Kardashians. Well, right behind so, the fucking ass. But it's ass. just wow. me. It's me. I, I literally, here's my theory about promotion on Twitter. I think you have to promote with a joke, and that's my rule. If you obsessively, like like, like I told you the other day, Ralphie has just taken Twitter to a brand new level. Thank you, Brian. Joe hasn't seen any of it. I'm like, what how have you doing? dodged that bullet? That's like showing, coming out of Iraq and go, they've been bombing in here? Like, right. it Let's is... look at what Ralphie May's up to. Oh, I guarantee you he tweeted in the last two minutes. I guarantee yeah, you. Yeah, I just added him, and then already oh. he's been Kevin Smithing me. Yeah. <laughs> For people who don't know... Is it Ralphie underscore May? Uh, I don't know. I it's it him old. in that big orange jacket. Yeah. yeah, Ralphie underscore May. It's, um. whoa, Jesus Christ. He's been on Twitter for how long? Uh, like a week? Literally literally a week, maybe a week and a half. And 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 he had like 15 tweets or like 20 tweets up until then. And I'm sure there's a thousand now. You know, how many, how I can't tell how many tweets, tweets he has because for some reason my, my computer has gone back to the old Twitter. You know, I was using the new Twitter. You know the the new Twitter site. I don't know how to how to switch it up. It's not at the very top. Mm. Is it is it Ralphie underscore May? Ralphie underscore May. Here, I'll just go into my trend. Yeah, and I'll find him right away. Uh, I don't know what happened. All right, he's got a total of what? That can't be right. He just what started it? using it. One thousand eighty-two tweets, and, and he's oh only been using it a couple weeks. God, that's that's true. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Unless oh he's got God. some kind of. He's, now, in Ralphie's, defense, in Ralphie's defense, he's not promoting anything. He's simply arguing. He hasn't learned not to argue with people yet. So he's like, <laughs> he's just going back and That's forth. That's something you really have to learn, too, oh. man. You have to learn that shit. Yeah, I just I never reply to anyone at all. And I promote. I only promote with a joke. So if I'm going to promote the show, I, I'll do something funny to promote it. I um and then I, I think those get retweeted. I try to be as uh, I'm not I'm, I'm I don't, I'm not always funny. If I find some interesting shit, I just throw up some interesting shit. Anything uh, anything that I think is fascinating, whether it's funny or not. And if I have to promote something, I promote something. But yeah. 
I always try to treat it as if I, I'm always aware of people's attention spans and anything interesting that I find. I give to Twitter immediately. Well, I give it right back. You're a, different, you're a different animal than, say, myself or Brian, who if we promote, then people will just delete us. we like, enough of that shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, people want to see right. your shit. They don't want to see our shit. And, and <laughs> they want to see you. They want to see left you. and right. We're the, right. Guy at the, we're the guy at the orgy fingering assholes, you know? <laughs> I you're the guy to. everyone came to fuck. We're the guys just, pow. Gotcha. Even grosser. I went to this one guy's Twitter. I don't want to mention his name because I don't particularly like him. But it's um, it was all promoting some uh, special that's coming out, and it was all like him tweeting celebrities using the exact same wording, just having a different celebrity's name. Hey, blank. Hey, you know, whoever. It, Kim Kardashian, holla at your boy. My special's coming out. Blah blah blah. And it wow. was his whole Twitter was that. Is he an official Twitter, like a, a verified account? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's very common. Wow, account. that's well, somebody. I'll, that's somebody. I wonder if that's even almost like an assistant. That's like, no, you're supposed to. It use could my be. Name. It could be that, or it could be just someone who's uh, doesn't know how to use social media and is an annoying cunt. What's his name? Rhyme with? I don't, we'll talk later. Uh-huh. I, I I tweeted the game on Sunday, like yeah. an hour before my show started. The game, the rapper. Yeah, I was like, yo, the game. You in L.A.? I'm having a barbecue at my house. Bring over some potato salad <laughs> but i was just like if he does reply you got a problem the hood's on my shit son here's what i used to do okay ready this was the my favorite thing to do i used to go on to black centric ten trend topics okay black centric just type trend in whatever topics. the trend topic is it's gonna something there's gonna be one that reads black okay. like like uh like um like mine was v-day gifts for the hood <laughs> Valentine's Day gifts for the hood. And so I thought it would be funny if, and, and you know, it's all like very, it's black people being racist about black people. It's just them writing like, um, get her a click clack. You know, she needs a gun in the hood. Get her another baby. You know, she's already got 10 of yo's. How about child support, son? And so then I, I wrote back, uh, I wrote back, how about anything Dungeons and Dragons, son? And no one got it, right? No one, no one laughed at all. And they started getting mad. Like, what are you doing in here, man? Get out. Get out, white boy. And then I was like, give me another Did chance. They, they said, get out, get white out, boy. Get out, white boy. What, you, this is for the hood. Don't you read the trend topic? And I'm Whoa. like, all right, how about a classy pen? And they're like, a no, classy a classy pen? pen? Like, what the fuck? And then I was like, all right, all right, all right. One more chance. How about a bottle of champagne, but you spray it all over like a hoe? And they're like, that's more like it. Oh, my goodness. But those, Tom Segura, I got Tom Segura on them. And Segura started, I and I started doing them. And it was like, I forget the one. We, I know it's saved in my phone. But I got Segura on them. And I was just, I was like, don't write anything racist. Just write very good suggestions that you would think. Like, one was things black people scared of. And then, and, and this I, is a, so. This is a trending topic. How do you start a trending topic? If you want, trending to, topic is pound sign and then one word. I'll tell you what. Yeah, trending like whatever right it is. One yeah. word, all in one word, right? Right yeah. now is like what are black people scared of? Would be no spaces, all one like word. Charlie Sheen has been one of them. Right, winning, winning, yeah, winning, Tiger Blood. Then, yeah, and then the trend topics right now is what's dead in 2011. Why? Why can't you just? So like, it's, I'm sure it's like, why can't you just? Pick up your baby girl when you say to pick up your baby girl. <laughs> and then this one's Ask Lil Twist. Okay, see, now this Lil is perfect twist? for your fans. Uh, I'm sure you, I'm, I'm not, I don't think he's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say he doesn't teach much. Let's Google, yeah. let's Google Lil Twist. It, whenever something like topic, this happens, I'm asking. guessing a child rapper. Whenever something like this happens, I get, I, I really feel so out of it, man. When I hear about this child, born in 93, Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh, he was up. born when I was auditioning for News Radio. <laughs> I graduated. That's when he shot out of his mom's box. 93. Wow. I was still in college. His name is Christopher L. Moore, born January 11th, 1993, better known as his stage name, Lil Twist. Oh, He's an American rapper, an American rapper from Dallas. 
He signed on to Lil Wayne's label. Oh, that's why he's Lil. Lil Twist, Lil Wayne. I don't so understand. He's a little rapper. He's I don't Lil. understand Lil he's, Wayne. He's under six feet, is what they're probably saying. Lil Wayne is a fascinating cultural icon to me. I, I, I watch his music and I, I am completely perplexed. It's like a language I just do not speak. Yeah. It doesn't, whatever it is, it just doesn't get me. I'm I don't, I don't sound, understand I'm it. Sound horrible. They are fucking, he is huge, man. He is gigantic. Massive. He's, he couldn't be bigger. He's one, is he the biggest rapper ever? Or one of them? He is, he is the biggest rapper. He is the most commercially successful rapper right now. I think probably ever. Man, but, um, I feel like I should give him another chance. I feel like uh, there now, must gonna, be I'll, some reason why I'm here. Uh, here comes the black in me out. Word? His earlier stuff is much better than his later stuff. <laughs> 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 when he was with the Hot Boys, he was amazing. I ran Hot into Boy. him and Juvenile, him Juvenile, and like they had a band. There's four of them out of, out of New Orleans, and his earlier stuff, he was good, man. He had rhymes that would blow you away. Wow. So now everyone just go on to Little Twist, ask Little Twist trend topic, and ask very insightful questions that you. You know, little twist doesn't have the answer for. Just not. <laughs> don't try to be racist. The whole goal is not to be racist. It's just to be like, seriously, do you think there's, you know, life forms out in the universe? Little twist, and like, just see what little twist is answering. You know, maybe. he has an answer for that. Listen, little twist grew up with the internet. He might be smart as fuck. Yeah. The thing about kids today, man, you can never underestimate them. It's not like they don't have the same access to information that we do. When we were kids, we were retarded because nobody told us shit. We were figuring things out like little monkeys just wandering around our neighborhoods. But now there's no more neighborhoods, man. There's the, the whole world, man. Those stupid rumors that you heard about, dude, I heard that Rod Stewart had to get his stomach pumped and there was a gallon of sperm inside. Yeah. You know, like those those stupid fucking stories only like lingered and worked because we didn't have anything else. Right. You know, yeah, that shit like would never the fly today. In the ass. Yeah, like dude, Richard, which I by know. the way, I heard was <laughs> this is my heard. This is my rumor. Um, I heard that that was Scientology spreading that rumor to fuck with him really? because he left Scientology. Yeah, that's what I heard. Makes I just sense. I might have just made that shit up. Let's let's go to that. So now here's is, I'll, I'll tell you the so this is the trend topic I started. Was and this is what I, this brings it back to our conversation yesterday. I started doing a trend topic. What will the maid think when she sees this? That was the trend topic. Okay, so then I started leaving a hotel room in a manner so that the maid walked in, she would go, "What the fuck happened in here?" <laughs> okay, now I'm now you're on your Twitter right now. I'm just gonna tweet these, Joe. And the, I'm telling you when I say this, okay. this might be my opus. Okay, this might be the this is funnier really? probably than anything I've ever done on stage. Okay, I definitely think that. I'm on the homepage waiting. So now, and waiting I'm tweeting. Tweet. I'm, te- I'm tweeting the first, and they're I at signed you. So this is the, f- and it's going chronologically. I've gotten much better, as you'll see. My later work, much like Little Wayne's. <laughs> <laughs> so your early inspired shit was really good. I just started getting to the next level. I, like Adam Richmond started doing them too, and then he started challenging me on Whoa. Twitter, and then people were like. Dude, you guys are fucking... And then I started, like, really thinking out of the box. And I got into this Jackson Pollock hyper, like... Tweet like, this shit, son. I'm, I'm trying to get it. all I'm of it. it. Where the fuck is it? It's coming up right now. And so I got into this, like, manic state when I was in New York doing press. And I was trying to come out with them to promote the show. And I was getting some good ones, man. Like, really fucking impressive. I mean, like, some <laughs> good shit. I guarantee you, there's artists on Twitter that go, you've got great conceptual uh, boundaries or whatever. What? Really? I'm telling you, Joe. Is there artists on this. Twitter that can teach you how to tweet up a fucking twit? Here we go. It's coming up right now. Sending tweet. There we go. Here's your cell phone service. There's the Cricket. first one. There's the second one. And the third one should be coming up, too. Oh my goodness! Here we go. Okay. All right, here we go. What will the maid think when she sees this? Okay, blind, clicking completely blind. Okay, I click this. 
Oh. <laughs> He's got the bed made up look like a nun. Now, mind you, this is my early work. It's, wait till you just, wait till you go through and see how good we'll go my to, shit has gotten. I'll, I'll retweet it. I'll retweet it so you can get it. That's Brian. fucking beautiful. Oh, there's a bunch I'm of telling them in you, here. I've, I've got more than I could post right now. I just went through so is this how you, early shit. Entertain yourself on the road. Oh. <laughs> Look at number two. What's that one? The this refrigerator where looks, looks like, like a, a man's body. Yeah, <laughs> a torso with clothes. That's hilarious. This is my. I'm telling you. I'm... Meanwhile, the real sad part is the main's probably not going to see it. It's going to be the next guest. Yeah, <laughs> they're going right. to pass right by it. <laughs> Fucking maids are cleaning that lazy bitch. She's tired. <laughs> I talk about this all the time, but I always the third one doesn't work, bro. Okay. <clears throat> the third link doesn't work. I was, now go now go to the go to the latest recent tweet. Birth the Congress on the APM with toilet paper. And he made a fucking he made a, a fucking doll. This oh, is hilarious. Uh, it was talking about three hours. Oh, oh dude, my dude. God, that's three dedication. hours in a fucking hotel room, just whacked out with a bottle of wine. These wow. are hilarious. Just I retweeted the first one. Let me retweet the second one. This too. hotel in Portland we were just in, I usually do the whole cum thing. And I don't, uh, Joe, you I don't, don't really do that. I don't really it. normally do it as much as I say. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I haven't Duh. done that. Yeah. But this time I decided to do it because I was in bed and I was like, look, I didn't want to wipe it on the bed. I didn't want to get out. So I threw it like kind of up behind me and it went straight down on my uh, iPhone. Good. <laughs> I, like, I oh, hope it gave your iPhone AIDS. Cum karma. I hope your iPhone dies. <laughs> Do you think the crazy fuck, like my iPhone starts getting a cough? We're, we're talking about Bird Crusher's hilarious pictures. You're going to talk about shooting your own love. Oh, we're talking about hotels. No, we're talking about some one very specific thing that this guy's doing. It's very hilarious. I love the Birth to Conquer one, Sunday was, at 8 p.m. That was my opus. That That's was the best genius, thing I've ever man. Done. That's Great. genius. So I, I, tweeted, I just tweeted all these folks, and uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, go back to the day that we recorded this, which is April 5th on Tuesday, 3.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So if you want to find those tweets, because they'll get lost in the mix. That's hilarious. Yeah, they're very funny. I too. feel like, and then I was talking to Heffron the other day on doing radio, and he was in Pittsburgh, and Heffron's like, I love those pictures. I was like, why don't you do them? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, I, you know, I've, I've thought of it, but I didn't want to steal it. Like, I didn't want to do it and feel like I stole it. And I go, Heffron, and this is to any comic listening, I don't give a shit. Do it, but you got to tweet it to me because I want to see it because right. I don't want to copy your shit one right. day. Right, so well, this is the tweet. Them. It's yeah. what would the mate, what, what is the uh, the hashtag? Oh, the hash, I, I didn't put the hashtag in there, but what would the maid think when she sees this? And that's one, all one word. All one word. And what then, would the maid think? When she sees this, and just tweet it to Bert, and let's let's fucking get to his one is great. The uh, the guy who's jumping out the window. <laughs> yeah, I did that one in Canada. Last minute, they all happen at the last minute. That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, what the fucking this one fangs? Look at this. This dude, is ridiculous. That, that's the one Adam Richmond wow. was like. He's like, you cheated. I go, what do you mean I cheated? He goes, you you fucking you got to use the shit in the room. And I go, no, I I use the shit in the room. That's towels, napkins, and ketchup. And he was like, what the fuck? Wow. Dude, you just owned him. That's why he's upset. Yeah. You can't be, compete with this. I would quit the game. If you were playing this game, I'd be like, this guy's t playing this game way seriouser uh, than I am. Bert, I you, need to have, you need to have a part on your website that has a collection of these. Because that, if that becomes big, which I, it seems like it would be, yes. you need to be the center home base of that. So you should go home yeah. and immediately yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tribal Channel got a hold of it. And they're like, they're like we love it. We want to use it to promote the show. <clears throat> We're going to do a caption contest. We're going to do... We want to send them out, and they're like, and then they called one day. I was in Mexico, and they're like, and I wasn't sleeping, and they're like, I need, we need seven more. What? Seven? What the fuck? Do you think I'm, I'm on meth? How am I going to come up with seven? <laughs> and they're like, just do it, just do it. And I was like, I couldn't. And I was sitting in Mexico, fucking no TV, listening to the Joe Rogan podcast on experience 
on my iPad in bed with me in the pillow next to me because I couldn't. <laughs> oh, I was I was having anxiety and I was fucking flipping out. And it's like it's the best. I put it on low so I feel like friends are talking in the next room. And it puts me to sleep. I just sit there and I just and then you wake up and you hear dog dog dog. And Joey, like, fucking, he wakes me up every time. Anytime he talks, he yeah, more people complain about Joey and his volume control. <laughs> yeah, Joey, Joey will lean back like this. Let's, here's what the problem is, Joey. <laughs> We got a fucking problem there, Brian. This fucking cocksucker! And then he'll get right up in there and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's someone I feel like I really miss. I don't even think I want to meet him. Like, I just, because I want to just have him be the personality he is, you know? He is Joey. He, you don't you have to worry him. about You'll meeting him. him. Yeah, it's even better meeting him. Yeah, you meet him and you love him. He's, he's the most unique human being he's, I've ever met. When he tells that story about his mom, I don't, like, his his stories, he tells a story. And it's, he's the best, one of the best storytellers because he leaves out the parts that make you stop and wonder. And then right when you're wondering, he hits you with the fucking joke. Yeah. Like, he tells you the story about, like, the them playing cards. Was his mom gay? I don't think so. No. Oh, I guess he was. I, I, I thought there were lesbians in the story, but there. And she'd go, "Shake your ham, Joey. Shake your ham." Fuck oh, when he would dance. Yeah. And then he'd shake his ham in his underwear. <laughs> this sounds like a fucking TV show. Like I don't know how this guy has not gotten a TV show. Yeah. One of the most interesting guys I've ever fucking listened He's to. He's so crazy. That's why. Remember when he got pissed off? <laughs> yeah, for nothing. We were uh, on the way to the gig, right? And they were uh, in the lobby, and the show starts in like you know twenty minutes or fifteen minutes, whatever the fuck it is. And so I'm headed downstairs. Dog, I've been waiting for you down here for a half an hour, dog. Don't leave me hanging here like this. I go, don't worry about it. The show starts when we get there. Come on, dog. You know me, dog. I get. I, 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 you can't leave me hanging here like this, dog. And he wouldn't drop it. He got crazy. It got to like the like that times five more levels. Like, dog, you have to give me respect. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you got your respect, dog. Don't make me leave. Don't leave me down here waiting for you, dog. I'm like, what are you talking about, Joey? It I'll take crazy. it. I'm, meanwhile, I'm, I'm like trying to discuss whether or not I should tell him that I had to take a meaty shit. <laughs> it took a little longer than I thought it was going to take. Look, it's not like I don't want to be on time for my own fucking show. All right? We're here. No one's dying. Okay? Yeah. We'll be there in five minutes. It, it was weird. Forever. I've known him for like 11, 12 years now. Maybe even 13. I might have met him in, yeah, it might be 13 years. Fuck. That's crazy. He was drawing a picture in the green room while Joe was talking to some friends. And he goes, Brian, record this. I'm like, well, what? And I'm like, okay. So I started recording him just drawing something. And then he pulls up the sign that says, Brian loves Taylor Vixen, who's my ex. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then he pulls out his balls and puts the, his balls behind it. Balls and I'm just like, huge. Jesus Christ, man. It's like Joey Diaz's balls in a room that small is deadly. I bet his balls are massive. It's massive, you, sweaty. You two queer should go get a room. <laughs> Talking about Joey Diaz's balls. The fuck? Dog, dog. Yeah. Yeah, well, what Joey did is he made a funny video to Brian's ex because Brian had made a couple of other funny videos. He just He's torturing her. Yeah. You know, I'm not torturing said, her. Oh, well, Joey Diaz okay. is torturing right. me. Then you're sending him. Well, I'm sending him because yeah, they're funny. And I think torture, she buddy. would think it's funny, not like torturous. I'm not, torture, I'm not saying torture like you're hurting her. Torture also means fun. You know, yeah. like, oh, he's fucking torturing her. Doesn't necessarily mean you're trying to hurt her. Yeah, see, she has an RSS feed. I don't even know what that Brian, is. Brian, shut the fuck up, please. Oh, is this anyway, the whole fucking Bill Burr yeah. argument? Oh By the way, God. which continued onto Bill Burr's <laughs> podcast and now apparently onto Greg Fitzsimmons' podcast. Yeah. Shut up. Which is even more ridiculous. I, I was dis so disappointed in Bill when I heard him talking on his own podcast about it. I'm like, wow. you're re <laughs> And then here's the, the worst part about it. He goes, and I just want to say I won. <laughs> yeah, I, I even talked to my lawyer. My lawyer said that I could sue. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I won. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Somebody go find Bill and give him a fucking hug. 
that guy, it's, it's so ironic that Bill was talking shit about people who smoke weed. If anybody needs weed, it's Bill Burr. Yeah. Oh, he could definitely use a bullhead. Fuck yeah, he could. He's so Fuck intense. Yeah, he could. He's Super a very intense, intense guy. I, that, but intense. I always assume that's what everyone in Boston is like. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a hard place. But that's why comedy there it's such a good place to grow up and and start doing comedy because you learn very early on to appreciate people's attention spans because they will fucking boo you off the stage with the quickness. You know, oh, we did we did I did a show at uh, what was the comedy connection comedy connection Fanny Hall yeah yeah for yeah. the Jameson tour it was me Billy Gardell. Uh, Steve Byrne and Danny Bevins, I think. Yeah. And we had to do the show to get renewed. Like, uh-huh. to, to do the show to get the tour renewed. So, it was, And the tour was a dickload of money for us. Right. It was like a five, four grand a, a weekend. And all he had to do was 20 minutes. Wow. And Billy Gardell is like, Billy, I mean, this is, I probably shouldn't talk about out of school about Billy, but Billy had just quit drinking. And he's sober now, but had just quit drinking like that Thursday. And was like, I'm never touching it again. And we've got to go. And he's fucking freaking out. And he's like, you got to close the show. And I got to follow like three guys that are all fucking bang, bang, bang in Boston. And I'm nervous about doing well in Boston because I kind of do race. I used to do a lot of race stuff then. And I was like, fuck. And I just came out the gates and I was like, and just, I just gave it everything I had. Just bam, 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 bam. And then like 15 minutes in, I'm like, if I can keep this energy going, then we fucking, and I had a good set and we got the tour renewed. But, uh, of course, just fucking dumped on some black guy in the front row the whole time. He loved it. He was with a white chick. She had red hair. Does that sound weird? And the girl's like, ah. But that was, yeah. That was my only experience in Boston. Boston's a fun place. <clears throat> fun town. Too bad it gets too cold. Never live there again. Sorry. Love you guys. No, I, I couldn't live there. Great place for comedy, though. When you, you live in a place where it's that fucking harsh, you know, that kind of an environment. You know, I mean, it's, but you think, you know, a lot of good comics come out of L.A., too. So that argument kind of sucks. You're but, from- the, but don't <clears throat> start in L.A. Yeah, some of them do. Who? Yeah. Uh, I've met some comics that started out here. Holtzman started out here, didn't he? He did, right? I know I know guys who started out here that are really good. It's, um, I mean, you can start anywhere, man. I started in New York. I, I did it once in Tallahassee and, uh, and then moved right to New York. Did it in New York and got my lunch money taken. Really? Fucking quick. Yeah. Like just I, the, My first time ever on stage, this guy, Louis Schaefer, was like, I said I wanted to be a comic, so I... And my, it was a, it's a long story, but my dad gave me one of those phone calls you don't ever want to have from a parent where he called me one morning on my birthday. I'm expecting a birthday phone call. And he calls me. He's like, you're pathetic. You make me sick to my stomach. Whoa. I'm embarrassed of you. You said you were going to be a comic. You got Rolling Stone wrote an article about you, and you said you were going to move and be a comic, and you've been there eight months, and you haven't done shit. And I lie. I, I lie about you. Like, judges say, how's your son doing? And I lie. Do you know what that makes me feel like? Oh, and I'm just wow. Like, it's my birthday, okay? I'm sitting hungover on my, in my underwear on my couch that I grew up on in New York. I, I had that up there. And my dad's just like, and I was like, he's like, I failed you as a parent. I failed you. You have no humility. I don't know what to do. Just keep doing what you do. I guess get a fucking job. I you have no humility? I had, I had no humility at the time. In what uh, way? I just didn't, I didn't have the... Like, I was like, I want to be a comic, but I didn't know how to go about getting it because I felt like I was too good to work the door or to, you know, does that make any sense when I say that? I felt like I was too, I was, I was too good to just get in at the ground level. I wanted to be discovered. I wanted to be, Hmm. what was, what brought that on? I don't know. I mean, that's just, I think a lot of people are like hubris, just youth. Yeah. I think a lot of people that, how old were you? 26. And I was also, yeah. And I was too young to like. The open mic scene was all alternative comedy, and like Dimitri and Martin and I started around the same time, and Dimitri just got welcomed by them, and I hung out, and no one ever talked to me, and I was like, oh, fucking great. So then I just hung out at the comedy clubs and drank 
in the back of comedy clubs. You know what I've always found ironic about alternative comedy is that a lot of alternative comics were like outcasts and they, you know, they felt like, you know, they were kind of in, uh, you know, nerds yeah. or whatever you would, And meanwhile, they are like the least welcoming. The most, I mean. And uh, the I, weirdest, I, like backstabby-ish, catty-ish. It's very strange that you would think that the people that were picked on would be like really open and warm and friendly. Yeah, they were they were brutal. I would go to uh, uh, I forget the name of the fucking Surf Reality and uh, Collective Unconscious, and I would hang out, try to do sets, and no one would speak to me. No one would speak to me, and I would just be sitting there, and Dimitri would talk to me, and then he literally would come and talk to me, and then walk away and talk to all of them. And then come back and talk to me. And I was just fucking... <laughs> but I never felt like an alternative Is that comic. you, though? Or is it no, them? No. I would try to talk to people. And yeah. whenever I said, they'd make fun of me. Like, I remember... They would make fun of you. Like, the how? first... Anything out of my mouth, they'd just go, oh, okay, okay. And this is the comics. This is the comics. Wow. I, yeah. Comics. Well, yeah, because they wanted you to feel uncomfortable. Oh, they, they wanted, wanted me to, to feel, feel horrible. Wow, isn't that weird? Oh, it's the worst. And then I and then I go to... I go to it's like, so common, though. Oh, Oh, go go! I'm 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 generalizing, and I don't want to do that. But go hang out at fucking. I'm trying to think of a UCB? name. Of an, UCB and see how like I know Tom said he went and did the. They have a comic book. Company. I did a set there once, and I had a great time. I only did it once, and I remember um, somebody pointed me to a thread somewhere <clears throat> where the people said they actually enjoyed the show, but they were like, "What the fuck is Joe Rogan doing here?" It, that's you so know? stupid. That that is know, so stupid that people weird, would say but that. You know, it is, but it isn't. You know, I mean, they're they're expecting a certain particular type of comedy that maybe makes them feel good. But you your know? comedy is the same. That's what really upsets. Not upsets me. I don't give a shit personally. I'm not looking to get. Sp- Spots at a at a comic book store, but I, I did a comic <laughs> book store. <laughs> uh, Tom Segura just did one, and he said he was great. He I he did it killed. for uh, Duncan. It was awesome. And Duncan, but Duncan's uh, Duncan mm. is kind of welcomed. Yeah, he's welcomed everywhere. Scene. Duncan's yeah. a genius. He can float between worlds. But what were you saying? Uh, so I had no humility. That's right. I mean, what it gets to. And it was just I would sit in the back of comedy clubs. I think. Well, so, but this, how does this translate? This is where I'm confused. You say you say you have no humility at the time. You thought you were too good, but yet here you are in these alternative rooms, and everyone's treating you like shit. Do you think they're connected? I'm sure there were. I'm, I'm sure that my perception of what the the status quo of comedy clubs was perceived from the way I'd been treated. But I'd go to I'd go to like the Boston Comedy Club at the cellar, and I'd say hi to to Attell and Norton. Right. And they were all cool, but they you know they were also working comics, and I was that's what I wanted to be. And I think my dad, what my dad's note was, was my dad's the kind of guy that if he wanted something, he would get it. And he'd go and he'd say, this is what I want. Can you please help me get this? And I would not that guy. I'd just hang out in the back of the club and go. You know, in their defense, in anyone's defense, when it comes to hanging out with new people, man, yeah. I, I try to be as friendly and as open with everybody that I can. New comics, I love talking to new comics. But man, there's some, a certain point in time, sometimes in the middle of a conversation when you realize, oh. I'm stuck talking to this dummy. Yeah. You know, and oh, I, that, yeah. that, that's annoying, man. When you have a good group and a good vibe, you know, so maybe you came off like too loud or too... I didn't say a word. I, really? I, I, I was, man, I, I maybe was your like, stage, I went your from act. This, I went from this. What I were they never, judging you from? I never got on stage. So what were they judging you from? Uh, I was nice. I, everyone liked me, but the, like I, the, the alternative people didn't. Well, but they, you must have said a word because you said that they were mocking you for saying anything. Oh, the alternative comics. Yeah. I'd go up and I didn't know how to do stand up. Oh, so you did horrible. go up on stage yeah, I'd go in front up of them. Reality and collective unconscious, but you pay three bucks and go up at the end of the night. Right. Like, and that, that was how that those rooms worked back then. Right. Well, then you can understand why they didn't want to talk to you, right? Yeah, I can understand that they didn't <laughs> want to talk to me. <laughs> Thanks. Bring I mean, it back to the fucking. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, we just. I have to break yeah. down everything. That's the, what but I they did. weren't funny either. It's not like right. anyone was of killing. Right. But they would laugh at whatever they said because they had said it. And, and it also was a certain sensibility, too, right? Yeah. That's, and my shit was like, I was trying to be funny in any comedy club. 
Right. Anyway, you were trying to be funny in any comedy company. I was just trying to be funny. I didn't know what I didn't know there was a difference in alternative. There or, isn't. I, you know, I we, we were talking about that before. You yeah. know, about this this guy that they were saying is the founder of alternative comedy. We both agreed like he's not even an alternative comic. He's yeah. just a comic. You know, what does that even mean? You know who I think was the the founder of alternative comedy? As far as I know, if it all came out of Boston, supposedly it all came out of Catch a Rising Star, it was David Cross. Because David Cross was doing, like, really weird shit. What about was, Steve Martin? Oh, well, Steve Martin is a, a, an icon. I mean, yeah. Steve Martin's a different thing. He's not... What David Cross did, here's one of the things he did. Let me give you an example. He put on a stretching tape for, like, a warm-up exercise tape, and then he started stretching and talking on stage about his stretching. And it was, I don't know why, but it was silly. It was, there was something funny about it, but it was completely yeah. ridiculous that he was just taking this chance to go on stage. But like a lot of people weren't laughing, but everybody had a smile on their face. Like, what the yeah. fuck is he doing? It was fun. Steve Martin was a comic. He's just silly. You know? Yeah, but he did, often did a lot of alternative stuff on stage. You know, alternative like, stuff like what? Like he would do banjo stuff. He would do like that's a banjo alternative. Yeah. That's not a, yeah. alternative. But he, he alternative. The idea characters. of alternative is like hipster. It's like nerdy, super smart. You know, that's what alternative comedy is supposed to be. Like not too loud, not too physical. Steve Martin is the antithesis of that. He's the absolute opposite of what you would consider alternative comedy. I can't put my finger on alternative comedy per se uh, whether it is or it isn't but I can put my finger on what alternative comics dislike mm. like I can go on the road and go Showers. this guy would no the <laughs> like when well, you see guys on the road where you're, their act is just like unbearable and you're like holy shit well they, and I think what they think is that is the comedy that, that goes on not in UCB that is the comedy that's everywhere and that is like I don't think a lot of them go on the road and see what you do on the road or see what the road's like well, eventually the road becomes the same everywhere. I'm going to tell you that. My, my crowds are they're sometimes more enthusiastic in different towns, but yeah. they're all the same now. It's everybody's. They're they're all they all know what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's it's not an issue anymore. But when you're young and no one knows who you are and you go on stage, if you're you're used to doing the UCB and getting those really polite laughs and chuckles in the oh, back of the room with some witty uh, you know reference that you made you know to some you know fucking Dune novel you know you know what I'm saying something about yeah. the spice and everyone in the UCB thinks it's so funny. Do that shit in Tallahassee. Florida. Florida. They'll throw bottles at you, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, this is, yeah. there's, there's a problem with, you know, when no one knows who you are, man, that's when it's really tough. When you're not bringing in your own crowd, you, you could get really soft easily if you're a name and, you know, you have a bunch of people that come to see you all the time and, you know, they give you so much love and they, they want you to succeed. They want to laugh. They're not like, they don't have any arms crossed staring at you sideways. Yeah. Good comedy know? is good comedy. I mean, it, like, I, Patton Oswalt makes me laugh. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. He makes me giggle. You know, like I he's one of my favorites. First time I ever saw him on stage, he was like, "They're like he's really big in the alternative comedy scene," and I was like, "Oh, really?" And then he just murdered, and it wasn't alternative; it was just funny. Yeah, well, he's he's big in the alternative comedy scene because he's a comic book nerd and he loves science fiction, and you know, he fits in physically. You know, so they they accept him, but he's a great writer. That's what he is. He's he's one of the best. His book is really. I got it. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I I picked it up. So now to put put it in perspective. Now to get to what uh, to bring it full circle, if this is possibly at all possible. So that is who I was in New York in 1997, trying to fit in, trying to break my way into comedy through having beers with comics and not fitting in an alternative and not being having the the gumption or the gregariousness to break in in the. So were were you doing sets? I wasn't. I was. I, I don't even know what the fuck I was doing. I was working out at Barnes and Noble. So was, you were working at Barnes and Noble. Working, no, working out. Yeah, working, working out. 
Oh, this is bad. Like you do sets at Barnes and no, Noble? I was working at Barnes and Noble and then working out during the day in the basement. Like I was fucking, I got fired from Barnes and Noble. This is the worst. I was working at Barnes and Noble and asked your place, no fucking AC. And so every day I would, you ever have a job where you lift boxes and as you do, you're like, that's not a bad, that's a good buy workout. And you're like, oh, oh, all right, I'll do a little bit of this. And if I do this all day long, I'm fucking jacked buys by the end of the summer. So I'd go down to the basement and you could take the freight elevator. Oh, I'm going to sound like a psycho in five minutes. You could take the freight elevator to the basement and no one could get down there because you had the elevator. And so once I got to the basement, I'd take off my clothes and start working out. And just like do push-ups, sit-ups, fucking <laughs> curls with boxes, hold books out and do fucking these fucking jobs, front rows. And I'd work out. And then it was there was no AC. So then I'd wait till I cooled down, put all my clothes back on, get in the freight elevator, walk up. And I just killed like 30 minutes. And when you have a job like that, to kill 30 minutes is a – it's like fucking – God, I'm that much closer to being over done. Right, right. So I'm like, this is, and I'm eating Rip Fuel. Do you remember Rip Fuel? Yeah. I'm popping fucking three Rip Fuels every three hours, right? Oh my God. I'm like a tweaker awesome. running around, shelving travel books, going down to the basement, pounding like I'm in fucking Oz, just, uh, 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 and then come up sweating like a motherfucker with a name tag on, just, uh. and so like two weeks into it, my boss, Dwayne, pulls me aside and he was like, he was like, hey man, you've been spending a lot of time in the basement. And I was like, oh, yeah, because i got to get travel books, and that's where we keep them all down there. And he's like, yeah, do you know we have video cameras? Oh, my God. And I was like, I didn't know that. And he's like, you're fucking fired. And I was like, wow. I was like, I, Dwayne, I can explain. And he goes, no, I can't, I can't have someone getting into their underwear in the basement, <laughs> working out when they should be working, and then coming back up. And then interacting with people. And I was trying to be a comic, so I was trying to think alternatively. And I'm on speed, which is <laughs> fucking... So theoretically, like, I would do funny shit, but it was crazy if you didn't know me exactly. <laughs> Some guy told me the other day we were doing a promo shoot for Ace TV, and I did a joke at the end of the day. I go, is that funny? He goes, Bert, everything you do is only funny if you spent fucking 24 hours with you. And so, yeah, so I got fired. And then came home. Wow. That'd be great to have that tape if anyone at Barnes Dude, and Noble has. Oh my so, god, that's hilarious. His name was Dwayne. I remember he asked me if I wanted to be a manager like a week before that, and I was like, no. And he was like, what? And I was like, he was like, you don't want to be a manager? And I was like, no. He's like, why you? Why do you? Wh- how, what, what do you want to do then? I was like, I want to be a comedian. And I was like, I, this isn't what I do. And he looked at me dead in the face. He goes, this is what you do. This is who you are. You work at Barnes and Noble. Don't think you're better than us. You're not. Whoa. I was like, fuck, I'm out of here soon. I didn't know I was going to get fired, but... Don't think you're better than us. Yeah. That was a, there was a guy that I, when I was driving limousines, that had that same attitude. He would get pissed at me if I wanted to go home after working eight hours. Because I was like, I'm gone, man. I got I to gotta go. I got a gig to do. And he was like, hey, yeah, eight hours is nothing around here, you know? There's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of other guys doing 12, 15-hour shifts. I go, okay, good, good for them. Bye. I'm going to leave. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and he's like, you know, what makes you think the job's going to be in the morning? I go, dude, I worked eight hours. I got to go. I got a gig. He goes, where's your gig? So I told him where the gig was. Well, the gig got switched. It was one of those things where, you know, like uh, it was, a, you know, a little $100 gig or something like that. Yeah. And one of the, the booking agents, uh, I, you know, I called him up and he said, hey, would you rather do this one in Connecticut? It uh, pays $150. i am like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, would. So he switched me, you know, and moved me to this other place. So asshole calls the first place and I'm not there. He goes, yeah, I called that fucking job. You weren't there. You know, you're a liar. I'm like, no, it got switched, you fucking creepy stalker prick. I'm like, I work eight hours. But his whole attitude was that he wanted to keep me a driver. Like, he, That's he what they felt me do. They wanted, they, escaping. I could they, feel it, yeah. A lot of times, uh, I mean, I think that I think that goes... With I, everything. I, even comedy. 
Yeah, I well, think, sure. Yeah. People are haters, man. A lot of people, it's way, it's way easier for them if you're a failure. It's way easier for them if you're not ambitious, if you're not, like, when you're a guy and this poor fuck was, like, you know, he's in his, like, late 30s and he smokes cigarettes and he just looked like a, a broken dream. He had nothing going on, you know? And here he is, a, a dispatch guy for a limousine thing in Boston where you're dealing with a bunch of fucking savages every day. And, you know, he, you see someone who's 21 and just has all these crazy ideas in there head and I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a, a comedian. I'm gonna, and you like see all this energy behind this person, all these, you just want to squash that. You want to throw water on that fire. You know, there's a lot of people, man. The last thing they want to see is someone with, with, with some sort of a spark inside of them. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, man. That's terrifying to them. They just don't want, they don't want to see that, man. They don't want to see that. They, they want you to fuck up. They want you to fail. So they don't have to compare, their, compare themselves to you unfavorably and then start thinking about what a fucking disaster their life has been. Oh, you yeah. Know? That was everyone that worked at Barnes & Noble. Everyone that sure. worked at Barnes & Noble was broken. There was one gay guy who had come from Iowa and just come out of the closet, like moved to New York. And then I think he knew he was gay the whole time. Then got to New York and was like, I'm fucking gay. I remember him coming into work one day. He's like, I'm gay. And I was like, awesome. And he's like, no, I'm, I can say it now. I'm gay. I, and I'm so happy. And I was like, good wow. for you, man. So he had to like, hold on to it for the longest man, he time. he fucked so much that first month. <laughs> that guy, he got fucked out of his loft one night and came back with a black eye. Because he I, fell out of he, the loft? Because the guy was fucking him and pounding him out of the loft. Wow. This guy fucked nonstop at first. That's, that's, it's kind of so, great. Yeah, so he was, he was like just in the closet. Just to come into your sexuality, like, like to realize you're straight. And then everyone in the straight community is like, let's just fuck the shit out of this guy. Yeah, that wouldn't that's what happen. happens in the gay community. In the straight community, it doesn't work that way. It They're not really into you switching teams. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you used to play for the Red Sox, and now you want to play for the Yankees. <laughs> What's all that? What about that Red Sox sucks tattoo you got? Oh, oh, but yeah. So then, okay, now full circle. So then, I worked at Barnes and Noble. That's who I was. I worked at Barnes and Noble. I right. hung out at comedy clubs, and so my dad, after that, at the end of that conversation, I was like, Dad, I, I don't want to embarrass you, and I want to, I want, tell me what to do. It was my 26th birthday. Wow. And he said, um, you go to the club and you tell them you want to be a comic and you'll do anything it takes to be a comic. And I go, Dad, that's not how it works. And he goes, that's humility. That's humility. You walk into that front door, you talk to the guy who runs the club and say, you'll do anything. You'll mop up, you'll stack chairs, you'll flip burgers, you'll clean dishes. I go, Dad, they got a guy that cleans dishes. He goes, that's what I'm fucking talking about. Have some humility and go in and do that. So I went in to this guy, Louis Schaefer. Do you remember him? Yeah, the comic strip? No, uh, no. no that's the that's Lucian, Lucian. Lucian Hold. Louis Schaefer was a gay guy that worked down in the village who always wore a blazer and a white shirt. Yeah, what do I know? Louis Schaefer! What club? Not gay, not gay. What club? Boston Comedy Club. Right, okay, yeah. So I went up to Louis, and I was like, I want to be a comic. And Louis was like, this is the night of my birthday. And he goes, "Uh, can I give you some advice? I said, yeah. And he goes, go back to Tampa and learn it there, and then come back to New York. You're in the big leagues right now. And I was like, "That's I've already got an apartment. That's not going to work. And he's like, well, that's my advice. And so I called my dad, and I was like, I want to... He said to move back to Tampa, and my dad goes, perfect. Go in tonight and give him the same speech you gave him last night and say, you're going to do this until he fucking folds and gives you a job. And so I was like, all right. So I went in that night. Like seven said the same thing to Lewis, and Lewis said, God, didn't I tell you to move back to Tampa? And I was like, I go, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep hounding you. And he said, okay, if you can stand out front and bring in 20 people throughout the night, and then if, if there's still people in the room after Godfrey goes on, I'll let you go up on stage. And so I was like, okay. So that night, two, uh, the fucking three people in, four people in, a girl named Karen Burgreen is on stage. And four Puerto Rican guys who I had brought in off the street who were like, one guy was going to prison the next day. Or sit. I just brought anyone. I brought a guy in with ice cream. He had his groceries and I brought him in. I brought everyone in the club. They're sitting in the front row. 
and they make Karen Burgreen cry. And Lewis, they go, look, Karen's crying. And so Lewis goes, oh, you want to be a comic? Now's your chance. So he went up, grabbed Karen Burgreen, and he goes, all right, you guys ready for your next comic? And brought me on stage. And the only thing, if anything, that I could do was light up four Puerto Ricans. And I got on stage, and I destroyed these guys. Wow. One by one by one. And when they'd talk, I would be like, listen, when it says in my act, the dumb Puerto Rican interjects, I'll point to you. And he'd, and he'd be like, oh, and the crowd was going nuts. And I was How like, many people were in the crowd besides them? I, I was filling the fucking, it was everyone that knew me. I brought everyone in. It was like fucking 100, maybe 100 people on a wow. Thursday night. And so they get up and they leave. The place goes nuts. And this is my first time on stage in New York. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, or like on a real stage, you know? Right. And I'm like, yes, I'm a fucking. And then I was supposed to do a joke and I didn't have any jokes. And I was like, fuck, I bombed, got off stage. And Lewis is like, you got a job. And I was like, what? And he goes, come here every night at seven, unlock the place, set the chairs up, and bring in people all night long, and I'll give you a spot. Six months later, literally, and this brings it to Bill Burr, six months later, I get a development deal with Will Smith. Do work in the door, six months later, like that. And Bill Burr told me, he was like, it happens, don't feel guilty, everyone's going to dislike you. But I was like, huh. Did you get that? Did you get a lot of resentment? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, a lot. <clears throat> but... I didn't care, really, because I was like, I don't fucking... You sound like almost like, I mean, I love you, man, but you sound like almost like this hapless retard that stumbles upon success. Fucking, I am the luckiest guy. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Literally the luckiest. But it's not just that. It's your personality is very endearing and interesting, and you tell great stories. So it's not just that you're lucky. It's just to be you, and this is the same thing when you were talking about Joey, to be Joey... It's it's you can't be Joey and market Joey. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. it's like who Joey is is Joey. You know, so it's almost like somebody else has to come along and find what's what's interesting about you. Yeah. You know, but the fact that you like kept going after it, you know, and that you started out in New York in the Village. You know, it's like one of the hardest places you could ever start doing stand up. Oh yeah, I think if you can, I I, I always assimilate the two. Like because then I moved to LA because I got a TV show. <clears throat> and and then tried doing it in LA and a comedy in LA and it was just totally different. And I remember Bobby Kelly came out and he was like, I don't fucking. I remember Bobby was like, I don't have this fucking witty shit. I don't have witty shit. I'm fucking real. I'm a comic. I'm a fucking New York comic. I go up and I talk. And I was, he was like, I don't fuck this witty shit. I remember. What just, do you mean witty? Shit? I don't remember. He just kept saying, fuck this witty shit. I don't have witty shit. I don't have witty jokes. Okay. What? I don't know. I remember. That's all I remember is sitting in the back of the improv with him. Look, man, Joey Diaz has, doesn't have a witty bone in his body, but, but yeah. it's the funniest shit I've ever heard. But Bobby, yeah, it doesn't but, have to be witty to me. I consider the two difference. I think uh, both are like working out, but New York is like working out in prison. Where you're like, it's just a fucking steel bar with two cinder blocks. And you're just kind of trying to get size so you don't get fucked in the ass in the shower. And L.A. is like doing like uh, Tybo or, or like spin class. So you want to look that? good. You want to look good. You want to look tight. But you don't have to worry about getting fucked in the shower because it's not as bad. Of course, I've never done it at the store. What? <laughs> L.A. LA com New York comedy is like fucking in your face. Like the second you stand up, it's not like an industry crowd. It's fucking... A bunch of fucking Persians that are in from in from Iraq and or wherever, and then it's a fucking bunch of brothers in from Harlem, some kids from Spanish Harlem, and they just like fucking light you up. Like it's a little more aggressive. L.A. is a little more. You get up and it, I remember the first time I realized I didn't have any like joke jokes. Like I couldn't just start speaking. Like I needed to interact with someone. Because that's really how, that's that, what you'd always do in New York. You just I mean it's it's your act is very organic because you talk to someone. Hey, where are you from? Or Oh, how'd you get here? I don't know. It just seemed like... I never did that, even when I was in New York. It seemed more organic. I never did that. When I was in New York, I just did my act. Really? Yeah. Man, I never talked to the crowd. I saw the only time I'd ever talk to the crowd is if there was a problem, like you have to deal with something, or if someone's just like really outrageous. 
I saw the guy. What's the guy's name who used to do Make Me Laugh? Do you remember that? The one on Comedy Central? Mark. Make Me Laugh. I have no idea. It was on Comedy Central, and and you, Jeff Ross was always on it. I forget the guy's name. Really? He dated Sarah Silverman. This guy. Okay. I saw him come to New York one day. He was an LA comic, and he got fucking stole. Like really bad. And I I'd never seen someone bomb before like that, where he couldn't come back. It was just bits, and uh, and he fucking ate it hard. Dude, people are gonna eat it. They're gonna eat it everywhere. But that was everyone in in the club was like, "That's L.A. comedy for you." Yeah, it's not even. It's probably he was uncomfortable. Yeah, probably uncomfortable, and you know, got on stage with a, a, a an attitude or felt weird when he got up there. That's half of it, man. Half of it is being comfortable wherever the fuck you are. Yeah, which is the best thing about you know having uh, fans that come to see you, having people that that know what you do and they're coming to see. You know, I know Burt Kreischer. He's hilarious. I'm going to see Burt Kreischer. You know, as opposed to just coming to any club. But that's that's how you develop your voice, too, by doing those those clubs. But then you have to always think that if you're doing these clubs and no one knows who you are and you're trying to get them to like you, you know, there's a there's a danger of maybe becoming something that you're not because you want them to like you, you know, because you yeah. want to be more successful. Like it almost like it, it hinders your ability to become yourself on stage. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. I mean, how many guys have you seen that like do a tell when they go on stage? A lot. A lot, right? A and lot. why are they doing it? Well, they're doing it because they know it works. Yeah. They know it works and it's successful and it, it, it gives them a charge when they're in the audience. Like they, they react to his cadence and, they, and then it becomes really catchy. And then you sort of start doing it even almost subconsciously because you're just trying to be effective. You know, you're just trying to be effective up there. Yeah. I used to, st- I, I mean, I, I used to steal from a tell when I was young because I didn't know how to write a joke. <laughs> and you'd just be like, how the fuck would a tell tell it? Right. I remember my first joke was, uh, you know what cops hate? When you touch their faces. And I was just like, that's a Nattel. That's a Nattel fucking set up punch. It is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like He said that already? No, 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 no. I just always thought that in my head. Like, oh, I see, I see what you're saying. So like, you, you imitated him. I just would, I would emulate when, I, I, when I'd write a joke. I'd be like, I got a funny premise. Because I was hammered on a flight to Scotland. And a stewardess was trying to cut me off. And I knew she was cutting me off. And I didn't want her to say anything. And so I just went, took my fingers to her lips. And I went, shh. Like, I didn't want her to cut me off, and then I got really cut off. This is well before 9-11. And so I told Patrice that happened, and Patrice like, that's a funny joke. Because the second you touch someone's face, you take all their power away. Like, you touch someone's face, it fucking just... And he was like, you gotta fucking tell it. So did you actually touch your face? Yeah, I touched your face. I was so drunk, going to Scotland from L.A. Wow. And I just went... So what happened when you touched her face? Did she freak out? No, she just was like, all right, you're done. You're done. And then, and then served me another beer at the end of the day. Like when we were getting a land, she gave me another one. Really? I've been cut off planes a lot. <laughs> really? You never been cut off on a plane? Never, never. What's the cutoff amount? Like, like four. you got to be obnoxious. Four? Four. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm not. I'm the least obnoxious drunk. So it's, it's not. Four. It's a number. It's four. Yeah, it's oh. four. They won't serve you more than four drinks. Is that in usually. first class as well? No, first, first class is totally different. They let you ball. Yeah, but if you put, they figure you get control. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pro at it now. Yeah. Number one, if you're, if you're a big drinker on planes, this is how I do it. Don't speak. Ever speak. Don't speak to anyone. Just if you want to drink, tap your cup. Just, Dude, you're an alcoholic. Okay, maybe I am. You're not talking just so that you can get more alcohol? <laughs> yeah, on planes. I have a hard time flying. I have fucking massive anxiety flying. You, you, you're telling us before the show that you have anxiety right now. I have, I have horrible anxiety. Yeah, because you seem a little, little like revved up today. Fucking, yeah. Like I you're am. having a hard time like staying calm. Yeah, because I got to go skydiving on Saturday. And so that's in the back of my head like... The concept of... So is that fucking with you while you're talking? Like, do you hear it in the back of your head? You're going skydiving. No, I don't. <laughs> no, if I got high, I'm going to 
I yeah, like. Bert is the only one right here that's not high, so he's he's not on the same frequency as Brian and I. Yeah, I would totally. Have you ever gone skydiving? No, I'm not really into dying like that. Yeah. If you would, I'm would sure be. it'd be fun as fuck. But you know, there's um, I know two people that know people that have died, including Brian. Whoa. Brian's uh, Brian's dad was supposed to go skydiving with this woman, and yeah, she flattened out. Boom! Hit the Squat. ground. You know another thing I so heard too I that I don't know if this is true or not. I think we already talked about this, but like how when you're skydiving, it's really hard to breathe because it's, it's so much air. So the whole time you're just going <gasps> like like you can't. Even, you're just trying to breathe. You're focusing so much on breathing. Now I'm starting to sweat. Yeah. No, dude, no, it's just really. Don't hard bring here. up how hard this guy's sweating <laughs> okay, like a pig. Seriously, he's really sweating, man. I'm Look really sweating, I'm sweating right now, too. About hot. It. it is hot in here. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that hot in here. You guys are both fat. Oh, I will okay. definitely. This is what's going on right here. If you, so were in, you really knew someone who died skydiving? Yeah, yeah. I knew uh, someone else um, from uh, for some friends of mine in Houston. There was uh, a bunch of guys that skydived, and, you know, I didn't know the guy. He told me his friend died, and then Brian's story. That's two. That two's enough. Was he tandem? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think he was solo. You know, a thousand people that probably died in, or knew people that died in car accidents, though, but you still drive a car. I don't know a thousand people that have died in car accidents. <laughs> that's a, that's a, Jesus a big Christ. Well, I mean, like, like if you're in NASCAR. No, no, I mean, I'm saying if you're going by, like, person that knows somebody that died. You know, like, like you, you have friends that know somebody that died in skydiving. You and definitely what, have... And what would be the difference, Brian? What are you talking about? What would be the difference between those two things? You don't need to skydive things? to get to work. A, well, and B, you don't skydive yeah, every no, I'm, no, fucking I'm day saying, of your life. <laughs> I mean, I'm not not skydiving because of people dying that's the last thing I'm really thinking that's dying. the first thing i'm thinking of what a dumb fuck i would feel if i'm pulling that thing and the parachute's not coming out and i see that barn and i know i'm gonna make a fucking scooby-doo hole through it in the shape of my body with my outstretched arms boom and it's gonna hit the hay and i'll turn into a bag of jello and broken bones splat and basically, just inside your helmet is all just broken, it's just smashed not gonna up. You're going to be fine, but it's going to suck the, the height things. Are you scared of heights? Terrified of heights. Hmm. Terrified of heights. Yeah, me too. But you, you, you've been on roller coaster stuff. Yeah, you're yeah, going to be yeah, strapped yeah, yeah, into yeah. somebody else, also a professional. Hopefully, I'm going to go tan. Well, you must yeah. be. Yeah. You, have, you have to. You can't, yeah. you, you can't just do it on your first time. They don't yeah. want you to panic and just, I panic. just shut off. So I've been I've been sweat, stressing about that like crazy. That's freaking you out. Oh, fucking nightmare! This show is a, a real mind fuck for you because you have That's to do good. a lot of dangerous shit on this show. Yeah, we did. We went. We went, we were doing a concrete toboggan race where you get a three hundred pound concrete toboggan, put five kids in it, and what? then you race it down a mountain against another team who has a five hundred or three hundred pound concrete toboggan. What? And you go forty miles per hour, no steering, and you just fly down a fucking mountain. How do you stop it? Uh, uh, they have brakes. They have brakes. But it depends what? on where your brakes are on the thing. You may just fucking flip it. Oh, Jesus it, it dep- Christ. Oh, it's a nightmare. The two people before us, the group before us, guy goes, uh, they've ragdoll it. They hit a berm, oh. ragdoll it. Dude breaks his femur. Girl breaks her arm in two places and all the bones in her hand. <sighs> and then they go, are you ready? And I was like, what? And my cameraman's like, dude, a broken femur is a game changer. It like, is. It's a life changer. Fuck yeah. People lose, lose their legs sometimes because they, when they try to reattach it, put the femur back together, can't, you can't get a blood plot going. So it gets gangrene. People lose their legs from femurs. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was like one of the things. I mean, we went shovel racing in New Mexico. Do you know what? I mean, what's that? You just sit on a shovel so, yeah. and go down a mountain at 70 miles an hour. Jesus Christ. Just sit on a shovel and then just. And, and then hope just, you don't die. And just sit back like this. How and, fast were you going? Uh, I definitely didn't get 70. But guys are going 72, 75. 70 miles an hour on a shovel. On a shovel. No brakes. What nothing. kind of hill are you dealing with here? A fucking blue slope. 
like on a blue slope on skiing. It goes, yeah, blue diamond. It's, it goes green, blue, and black. And we're on a blue one that's like been wow. shaved and like salted. Oh and my they're god! Just, and you just are flying. So Fuck that noise. It's basically like the luge. Oh, it's it's exactly like a luge, and but but with less, like less control because you're god. on a shovel, and it's and the the, the rods just sticking between your legs. It's been I've learned a lot about myself with anxiety through this show. Like I've learned a ton, but I still I either I. I'm still dictated by my anxiety. Like in what way? Like, <clears throat> there's certain foods I won't eat because I know it'll fuck with me in the middle of the night. I'll just wake up and have an anxiety attack. If certain foods trigger anxiety. What, what, my, what stomach, foods? my stomach it's, dictates my anxiety. It's heart palpitations. Like some foods like onions and stuff I know makes my heart beat a little crazy yeah. here and there. For me, it's spicy what? foods. Yeah, me spicy up foods too. Onions make your heart beat weird? Spicy food. Like the other night when my, my shit was all jacked up from eating those jalapenos, the stuffed jalapenos. Oh, I can't fuck with jalapenos. Yeah, yeah. It, it, fucks, it fucks my stomach up, which then fucks my heart up, which makes me like fucking like conscious of my heart. And then I'm like freaking out. Whoa! Yeah, you don't get any anxiety. Not about that stuff. Have you ever had an anxiety attack? No, never. No, that's weird. Really? Yeah, that's like, really like weird. When, here's what. Here, Why, like, wait a minute. It's not really weird to not have an anxiety attack. No, I mean, like most people, I, I thought always had. Like, I didn't you think know, you'd never. You had like, I don't think okay, most people. This is one have of the things I don't like dude. about weed. I don't think that's true at all. Like you were saying, I've like, had some. Uh, uh, let me clarify. I've had some paranoid moments on weed for sure i've had some moments but i think those are very important i think those are the ones yeah, that make you, you reevaluate yourself i was like that, i don't like reevaluating i like myself. those i don't even like knowing myself i like being scared as fuck yeah, when it comes anxiety. to that because no 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 it's not anxiety because i'm not panicking i'm, I'm just terribly terribly aware of everything and it's not it's not a panic attack it's just an acceptance of the whole picture it's never where i don't feel like i'm i'm i can handle it or i'm going to freak out or my heart's beating too fast it's never that it's just the humbling aware feeling an awareness of the big picture you know <laughs> I like that. Let me start saying that. I think it's very important. People take drugs to get away from that feeling. Not me, man. I go into it. I run into it. That's what the tank is. The tank accentuates any feeling that you get. Have you ever been too high and like freaked out? Yeah. I go in the tank when I'm too high. When the the higher I get, like the the, that's the more I want to get in the tank. Because you face it and you you come out of it and you always learn something. Always. I always know more about myself. I always know whether I'm on the right track as far as like you know what what is there anything in my subconscious that's fucking with me is there anything really? that's bothering me yeah 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 i go right in there man see i'll obsess about anything if you can if you can give me a, if you can give me something i'll mull it over my head like when i had to jump off the stratosphere i literally was up the night before throwing up in a bathtub right but do you feel like you're making progress with all this crazy critical yes thinking? i am i'm definitely making progress but uh like i'm definitely making progress right uh, but i but i still I think the stratosphere, by the way, is going to be a lot scarier than skydiving. Really? Yeah, because you're going to be able to see like a kind of like a point of distance, or I mean, like bitch, you crazy. Nobody died someone in the said, stratosphere. Someone no. said skydiving is you. You're so far removed from what the distance That's what I'm saying. is yeah. that you, it doesn't freak you out. Right? What? No, what I mean it makes to total do. sense. I mean, if you're standing on top of a really tall building, you can fucking see that you're really high up because you can see other things at the same level or below or higher. So it gives you more of a, a, an idea that you're really high a up. Reference point. Yeah, yeah. When you're up in a you know, plane, sure, it's high, but it's also like almost like cartoony fake. Like, yeah, you know if you're I mean? retarded, I don't know, man. To me, it looks like a goddamn plane flying yeah. 30,000 fucking feet above the earth. He's just going 16. It's just going to take a long time <laughs> to hit the ground. 16,000? 16, 16, so you hit the ground quite twice as quick. 
And it's one of those planes that just falls from the sky every now and then. Those skydiver planes. Wait, what kind of a fucking plane can you open up a door in the middle of the flight? Yeah, that's right. That's a drug school, plane. Right. I think you're going to be fine. Those are drug planes, man. If the, if the pilot has a mustache, you might be screwed. So Drug planes crash all the time, dude. You ever see that one that crashed in Mexico? No. Four four tons of cocaine inside of it. They ran out of gas. <laughs> CIA plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking one of the greatest stories of all time. CIA plane headed. Uh, went to Guantanamo Bay on two separate occasions. Clearly a CIA plane. Four tons of cocaine in it. Shut up. Crashes in Mexico. So the Mexicans won't let them refuel because they know what the fuck they're doing. By the way, Portland was fucking amazing. Have you been to Portland? Portland? Oh, shit. Yeah, he was saying that. I want to. I want to. I'm going this year. I just don't know. Well, why. They, Portland didn't have a major comedy club for the longest time, so it was hard for comics to tour through Portland. But then they just put this Helium place in. I'd done Portland before. I did a theater there, and it was great. But this was really fun because we got to do three nights, you know, five shows over three nights. Everything sold out way in advance. It was all podcast fans, you know, and that's the that's the thing amazing. that Brian and I've been talking about a lot lately. And I was talking with you about it in the kitchen. Yeah. Everything has changed. It's completely different. You know, the, the the people that are coming to shows are way more enthusiastic. It's it's way different. You know, they know you better. It's it's a it's a crazy experience, man. It's, Do you feel like you have more of a chance to riff on stage than you used to? I don't know, man. I'm, I've been cutting my my sets down to oh. like an hour and ten minutes, and oh, just you just you guys smashing. just said something one podcast that what? made me that re made me reevaluate everything I do on stage. Yeah, what fifty minutes? Someone yeah. said fifty minutes. Jim Norton, Norton did that. Norton Dude. did fifty. I saw him do fifty in Austin, and he made me think because I do a lot of I was doing a lot of long sets where I do this question and answer thing at the end. But the problem with the question and answer thing is that it doesn't have the same pop as the regular show, and so the show always would kind of end on some weird note like I'd be crushing for an hour and then I do this question and answer thing for an hour and then people would be tired so the the, the experience of a show was not the same yeah. you know and I, I thought I was just giving them more show I thought I was being more generous and giving them more show but I realized the best way to do it really is to give them an hour hour and ten max and just smash it just come out of the gates yeah. gun and I've been doing that for like you, the last you, couple you were getting months. standing O's those yeah. last all those shows in Portland I mean yeah. instead of like because I saw it too it kind of like a fizzle it was yeah. it just kind of like shows over now here's this other thing and then people forgot about the show they were kind of doing exactly this. and it was just but now it's just like fucking roaring you know those people yeah. want to come back they're telling all their friends immediately yeah. instead of going oh yeah it was good last night yeah, yeah they were all standing ovations it was it was awesome yeah. portland was fucking awesome never had a, a place where people handed me more weed yeah. never never dude i stunk of weed when i got home i was wearing the same pants that i wore the shite the show the night before yeah. and uh, mrs rogan was like you fucking stink like weed and that is my pants i took a shower and uh, she goes i can still smell in the bathroom and then she goes your pants she goes what did you smoke your fucking pants like they, <laughs> they, they smelled like weed. it was ridiculous it was just from people blowing weed on me and joey and then when we we're in the green room Joe, I, I remember when I kept on saying at the airport, like, I smell weed. It was my pants. No, I, it might have been that, too. But I, too, I opened my book bag up, and there was a bowl, there was a joint, and uh, a bag of weed in the secret pocket that I didn't even oh, know existed. No, and I'm like, holy you. shit. You know what I would have done? I would have pretended I didn't know you, and I would have ran the opposite <laughs> direction. I need to go home and see my kids, dude. I can't be oh, going to court right. for you. <laughs> Jay, and I, Jay and I one time were flying to Vegas, and we're in my car. We're sitting in my car, and we have a bag of weed, and he's like, just bring it. And I go, I don't want to because I don't want to go through security with it. And he's like, it's fucking Vegas. Do you think anyone's going to check? Of it's course the worst. It's, it's one of the worst. And so I was like, all right, fuck it. So I throw up my bag. We go to leave. We start walking. And at the last minute, I fucking go, oh, hold on. And I, I take it out of my bag. I just throw it in the car, and I go, I'm not fucking bringing it. I'm not bringing it. So, But I don't tell Jay. I'm just like, fuck it. I'll deal with it when we get to Vegas. So we go through security, and as we go through security, they pull me to the side, and they're like, sir, we're going to need to check your bag. 
and Jay thinks, yeah, I have it. And right. I start laughing hysterically because I know that I, right, right, I, right. I that he thinks I have it. Right. And Jay, and then the guy, this is a tall black guy, Jay is standing right there. He goes, what are you laughing at, sir? And I go, I almost traveled with weed, but I left it in my car. And Jay goes, you didn't bring it? And I go, no, it's in my car. And the guy was like, you have weed? Where's your car? I was like, I'm not going to tell you. You have weed? Where's your car? He was like, what? You, you have weed in your car? And I was like, yeah, but I'm not flying. What kind it, of a so. TSA okay. bullshit fucking question yeah, is that? He's probably going on his break soon. So out. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to scare you into giving up the weed. <laughs> I, I got walked into Brave Stadium and I said to the lady, just out of curiosity, when the, it's the moments that you don't have drugs that you want to find out how it would go down if they busted you. Right. And I said to the lady, I said she was checking my fanny pack. When I firmly believe in fanny packs. By Fuck the way. yeah, give me I some knuckles on that shit. In fanny packs. Yeah, here's what was, so I'm getting mad at all all this. What's dead for 2011? The fanny pack <laughs> will never die, okay? No. Because I'm not trying to get laid. So fuck you. They're so convenient, sensible. They're convenient. right there. All your shit's right there. Exactly. And I love wearing them. I love I love if people think they're dorky. Especially, Good. especially if you're married and have kids. It's awesome. Even I wore it before I was married with kids, kid. How about I never stopped wearing it? How about I wore that shit or. in the 90s? People were giving me shit on the message board in the 90s for wearing a fanny pack. Oh, I, I don't love, give a I love fuck. Or if you're very successful and it doesn't matter. Brian, you, you look at you, look at you and around stop and think about the, the, the level of pussy that you get on a regular basis. If I was you could still fanny rock fanny. a fanny pack and pull that off. Trust me, kid. All right? Like that would probably get you more pussy. <laughs> right. It would probably get you more pussy because you're like, this motherfucker doesn't care. He's wearing a fanny pack. <laughs> Why don't you wear pink Converse All-Stars too? Women, you, that's one of the things that women like more than anything is a guy that can be himself. That's why she knows who the fuck you are. Yeah. Instead of you going out and pretending to be some different person, no matter where the fuck you go, women know when they can count on you. They know when they can count. Here's be the first Brian's going to be silly. Mustache, not the tenth. Exactly. Go, go fucking porn style with a big, big yeah. fucking twisty one. So there's a, a list that just got re- re- released talking about um, checking you at the airport because this is amazing. It's the Department of Homeland Security, and they, they put out this, the, the following characteristics that qualifies a person for t- potential domestic terrorist. And I put this shit on my Twitter because it's so ridiculous. Expressions of libertarian philosophies, bumper stickers, or statements. Like, you might be a fucking potential domestic terrorist because you think that people should be able to do whatever they want to do. You, you think that libertarian uh, ideology is better than Republican or Democratic ideology. Amazing. You have a, a bumper sticker, so you might be a domestic terrorist. I mean, this is If this was just some crazy asshole that ran some website, some right-wing website, but this yeah. is like they're, they're like giving people instructions. Look out for Second Amendment-oriented views, NRA, or gun club membership. Jesus fucking Christ! What you can't go hunting if you if you if you want to shoot your own meat Wait, instead of getting it from these? some fucking slaughterhouse? You're a potential domestic terrorist because you believe in the rights that, to, to keep guns. You think that adults should be able to have guns just like adults can have fucking cars, okay? Just like adults can have a lot of shit that can fuck you up, all right? Yeah, gun, people should have guns, all right? That's why they're here. They're here so a you can shoot people that are bad, and b you can shoot animals and eat them, okay? Ugh. It's not a fucking potential terrorists issue. You. I would so, almost say there's. I would argue there's no connection between people who own guns and terrorism. I don't know about that. I would say all, uh, almost 100 percent. I mean, the guys that 
fucking flew planes in the 911. That's just because they couldn't get guns on board. I mean, no, if you no, let but I check mean, guns but in. exactly. But what's the where, where's the connection? Where do you yeah. draw a connection between someone who owns a gun? Well, it's, the idea is that people want to overthrow the government. You know, oh, so, so they're thinking about like, they're, they're thinking. Well, they're, th- like what they're thinking about people who rise the fuck up and realize this goddamn corrupt government that's running this country needs to be held accountable for all their bullshit. I finally finished watching that Inside Job last night. Fuck, I had to turn it off the last time I watched it. I watched it for an hour, and I'm like, I, I'm getting angry for no reason, and I had to shut it off. But I, I finally watched it all last night. It is maddening. It's all about the financial collapse. It's not Inside Job. You hear like yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, think yeah, 9-11. Yeah, yeah. It's not about 9-11. It's all about the financial collapse. And it's all interviewing all these economists and all these people that didn't predict it, all these people that fucking profit from it. And it talks about one of the most disturbing things is how corrupt economics has become become the study of economics at the university level because all these fucking guys who are teaching economics at Harvard and at Columbia they all wind up working for the the presidents they all work wind up working for governments and they wind up going on these speaking engagements where they're making millions of dollars and they they showed this like how fucked it is that everyone is just stealing and everyone is getting away with it because everyone is protecting everyone everyone is making sure that no one is held accountable for all this Fucking incredible movie, man. Really? Matthew, uh, Matt, Matt Damon, um, uh, Matthew Damon uh, is the narrator, and uh, it's, it's really good. If you want to get crazy, go and, and, and see how fucked up this country is and how fucked up the unfixable foundation of this country is, the financial foundation of this country. Yeah. It's nuts. It is amazing that it works at all. And these motherfuckers that got bonuses, man, just the brazen assholishness to ask for hundreds of millions of dollars during, in the middle of a gigantic financial collapse you were at least partially responsible for and the fact that nobody holds him to the fire it's nuts man it is one of the, the nuttiest documentaries I've ever seen in my life wow this guy who's running the documentary too he's asking some of the questions one of the guys and he catches a lot of these guys like one of the guys that worked for uh, for Bush and uh, you know he was uh, an economic advisor for Bush and he's also for, for he, I think he believe he teaches at Harvard and they caught this guy and they were talking to him and asking him questions and you see the the frustration when they're hitting him with logic and facts and like how could you not know and then they're hitting him with all this information about things that he said and how wrong it was and how did you? Why did you think that this economy was stable? Why did you think that you know these uh, these uh, funds should be you know rated at double A? Meanwhile, they crashed the very next day. I mean, it's just nuts, man. They're just stealing. It's it's incredible. It's like everyone is stealing, so it seems like they can get away with it and they can keep doing it. No one's asking for anybody to be held accountable. It's yeah. really weird, man. I mean, we're in the middle of like a giant trillion dollar heist. And these bankers have, have literally ripped off everyone. It's, it's one of the most incredible things I think I've ever seen. When, and when it's really explained in detail, when they talk about it from the point of um, uh, the stock market and, you know, and where, where people were banking on things to fail yet selling them and, and, and promoting them with their clients. I mean, wow, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you have to watch it like five or six times, I think, to really wrap your head around how fucking complex it all is. Because the, the whole financial system, is, it's, it's almost intangible. It's like, it's, there's nothing there. Like, as you get deeper and deeper into it and try to figure, you try to pick something up, there's nothing to grab. Yeah. It's really weird, man. But it, it drives me fucking nuts. If the movie's any indication... Of this conversation, I think I'd be lost within the five, first five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I can. I, I, well, I'm I, I trying to. I'll always today. have a six-year-old's intelligent, like a span of listening to shit. I'm, I'm just so, I'm just so fucking. Have frustrated you always been a lately. reader? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like as a kid, did you read? Yeah. I never yeah. fucking read. Really? Never. First book I ever read was 
uh, like really read, like bought it, and and for myself and said I'm going to read it was Naked by uh, David Sedaris. Well, I used to read um, when I was a kid. I used to read a lot of fiction, and then I started doing martial arts. I read a lot of martial arts books. You know, really? I read a lot of books on strategy. Like you know, that's where I I first uh, read um, the uh, Book of Five Rings, which became like a it's. This is the tattoo that I have. This is Miyamoto Musashi fighting a tiger. And the reason, one of the reasons why I got that tattoo is because I read something when I was a little kid that really like, sunk into my head. Once you understand the way broadly you can see it in all things, is what he said. And the idea is that once you find greatness in anything, whether it's painting or sculpture or music, when, it, when you find something, you just nail it, you, you get to the core of it, you understand what, what greatness is, and you can see it in everything. You can yeah. see it not just in your, your chosen field but in everything and it really is like a a way of you know of channeling brilliance and it made me think that as I was a kid that if I just really threw myself into martial arts I could be successful at life because even if it wasn't martial arts that I wound up pursuing there would I would if I could get greatness if I could really figure out what greatness is if I could really understand the way really tap into it I could transfer that on to, to my life which has actually been true do you think you're better at comedy or martial arts uh, I don't know, man. And I, I've never even thought about it. It's not even something that I would think about. It's all you, you're better at whatever you put the most attention to. No, but like, it's really I, that like simple. But like the first time, like I was a big baseball player growing up, and I remember playing baseball with guys that went on to go pro. Like I, I caught Brad Radke, uh, who was a pitcher for the Twins, and I remember playing baseball with them all growing up. And the way that parents looked at him playing baseball, I remember thinking, like, no one looks at me like that. No one's like pulling me aside, like, "Hey, great game today, Pert." Like I still made all stars, and I still got recruited to play, like at a high school. But I never had the, I never had that it that. And then the first time I did stand up, I was like, "Okay, that's the it." Like I got that it. This is what this the similarity. For me, it's probably just the opposite. Really? Um, when I first started doing comedy and I was leaving martial arts, I was really good at martial arts and not good at comedy at all. And I had to uh, reinvent myself because as a as a martial artist, I was you know four time Massachusetts State Taekwondo champion. I won the U.S. Open. I, I, I came in second place in the U.S. Cup to the current national champion who fought in the Olympics. And I was right there. Yeah. And I was really young. I was 20, 19 at the time. And then 21, uh, I had a couple fights. I started kickboxing when I was 21. That's what fucked up everything. And that's one of the reasons why I stopped doing, um, why I stopped competing is because I started realizing that I, there was a bunch of holes in my martial arts game because I was just doing one style of, ta- of, of martial art, which was Taekwondo. And when I switched from Taekwondo to boxing and kickboxing, I realized there's big holes in my game. And then I, so then it made me not respect Taekwondo as much as an individual martial art. And then competing in Taekwondo seemed sort of ridiculous to me because, well, now I know that you know I'm vulnerable to punches so now in my mind I would have to start kickboxing because otherwise I would be practicing something that wasn't as effective yeah. so then I started kickboxing and then I realized okay there's not even any money in this what the fuck am I doing <laughs> like here you know what am I going to do I'm going to run a, a kickboxing gym and you know I'm going to have brain damage I yeah. mean that I was looking at my future and I was like I figured I got to figure out what the fuck I'm How doing old are you? I was 21, and I was Jesus, doing do comedy at the same time. Don't have that kind of insight at 21. Keep going, keep going. Well, it was be- mostly because no one raised me. Yeah, you know, no, no parents at this time. Like, left in the streets like a wolf. I mean, my parents both worked, and by the time you know they got home, it was six o'clock, and you know I was over at a friend's house or something. I was a wild kid. I was, Did your own laundry? Yeah, yeah. Was it was it, yeah? It was a different time, man. You know, when I was little, man, I was like seven years old. I used to do a uh, fisherman's wharf. I used to in San Francisco. I used to have my own magic show. I used to walk. Down the street by myself with my own thing. I was thinking it was seven or eight, and I had like a little magic show that I got for Christmas, and I would put a fucking hat on and a cape, and I'd set up a stand, and I would do a show. 
by myself, no friends, no one with me, completely by myself. This is, this is a different world, you know, that people lived in back then. You can't let a fucking eight-year-old out of the house by themselves today. That no. kid's going to get raped and killed. Too bad you didn't know little Joey Diaz at the time. He I know. I wish I did. For you while you did we would have been buddies. We would have had a fucking awesome show. <laughs> Joey and I would have been best friends from oh the moment we God. met. I was best friends with Joey the moment I met him. I would have been best friends with Joey if we met when we were six. So Guaranteed. Now, so now you're... So, so, so I, I, I realized I'd, I'd thrown my whole life into martial arts from the time I was 15 till I was 21. But when I was 20, I started teaching at this place in Revere. There was a, a, a Nautilus Fitness place in Revere. And uh, they had a, a, a big extra side room. It was a really big, nice room. So we uh, started teaching Taekwondo there. And I, I opened my own branch of the J. Kim Taekwondo Institute out there. And that's where I met this guy, Joe Lake, who was a boxing coach. And he's coached uh, some UFC guys like Marcus Davis. And he's a... You know, he was a really, really good boxing coach yeah. and a great guy, and he became one of my good friends. And he taught me how to box. And when I started boxing, I, I started realizing, like, man, I've got, like, all these holes in my fucking martial arts game. Like, at Taekwondo, I was really good at Taekwondo, but you added in boxing and then eventually leg kicks. And I'm like, man, I got a lot of fucking flaws in my game. So it made me not want to ever compete in Taekwondo again. And then since there was so much work to do to become a competent kickboxer and then it was like well what i'm gonna do become a boxer because if i become a boxer now i'm really starting almost from scratch yeah. i mean i'm a rudimentary almost a you know beginner boxer and then i'm gonna what am i gonna start fighting in that way because that's the only place i could get fights because you couldn't even get boxing or kickboxing fights in massachusetts we had to drive to rhode island to fight so the last time I fought, I fought three times in one day. I fought in a kickboxing tournament. <laughs> I won the first fight. I knocked the first guy out. I, I beat the second guy up. And then the third guy knocked me out. The third guy was like three fights, and I was completely exhausted. It was hours later. This is all for free. And I got... I, was, I won the first round, and then I got clipped with a left hook. And it was really weird because it didn't even hurt. It's just my legs stopped working. It, was, it never happened to me before like in a those, fight. Is that the ones where they go like this? They like go that? just go rubber. Boing, 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 boing. They just stop working. It's like he disconnected my, my brain from my legs. My legs no longer communicated with my brain. They just shut off. And I went down and I got up. And then he hit me again. I went down again. I got up and they stopped the fight. It was, uh, wasn't, I've been hit way harder before. It wasn't that. He just hit me perfect. It just was like the, the right perfect spot. spot. And I was exhausted. You know, when you're. I had shitty nutrition, and I was delivering newspapers. So I'd get up every morning at 5 o'clock to deliver newspapers, and then I would you know, take a nap, and then I would drive limos, and then I would go train. And then I was still trying to do comedy at the same time. So that made me really realize I had to pick a path. And yeah. I'm like, you know, this was a good wake-up call for me. And my ego wanted me to get back in there and go smash and oh. you know, show that it was a bad, you know, that I really I didn't train right for that fight, and I was out of shape, and I was sick. You know, but I thankfully figured out a way to shut my ego up my long enough to get some right distance. Now. Your ego's fucked? My ego's fucked. In what way? Um, it's attached to shit that doesn't matter. Like in what way? I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to see the world a little differently um, recently. The last conversation we had, I, we, I, I had said something about I almost got into a, I talked about almost getting into a fight with a guy in um, driving, remember? Yes. And you were like, that's fucking out of you. That's yeah. the dumbest yeah. thing in the world. And so I, dangerous. That, and that... To me, was the first wake up call of like, yeah, why would I do that? Like, I started thinking, like, the guy flicked just me from off. our conversation, you started thinking about, yeah, that? oh, are you, yeah, fucking actually fairly heavily. Cause you're probably one of, I mean, this you wouldn't want to hear this, but like, probably one of the toughest guys I I know. Uh, like stuff like no one would ever scare you, or you. There's a lot of people scare me, man. But, no, but but <laughs> I work in the UFC. I'm constantly around people who scare me. But what I'm saying is like, and so I started like 
uh, checking, like, okay, I why do you I, feel so confident to start yeah, fights with people that? when I Where don't? Where is that? Yeah. And then I started, and then it started like sizzling down, and it was like, holy shit, man, my ego, my ego's totally attached to 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 not like cool shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not attached to my. I don't know. I don't even know what an ego do should you, be attached to. Do you have parts of your personality that bother you? Oh. Every part of my personality. Okay, well, what do you do about that? Nothing. I drink. <laughs> what do you do? Are you supposed to do something? I, I meditate and I get in the tank. No, I drink. That's the, my number one thing. I drink and then forget about it and then wake up and I just fucking. I would hope like it to get you shine. in the tank, man. I think you would really enjoy it. I would want you next to me and I'd want to have headsets so we could talk to each other. Ah. All right, Joe, I'm starting well, to spiral. You, know, you could do it. You could do it at my house, bro, and I could be right outside the tank. I, fucking, I could, There's parts of my personality I can't stand. I, you know what well, I why don't stand? you why don't you work? Okay, tell me what you know. I what? don't like this, but don't be sensitive. Like, okay, don't, okay. But listen, I love you, man. You don't I, have to worry about that. I know, that. I know, you know, I know. I, love you. I know. Um, I, uh, I'm, I, <laughs> like, I know that when this when Birth of Conqueror gets canceled, whenever it does get canceled, I will talk about it incessantly to people. No, you won't. I will. This I will. Is, this I is what me. you say. Me. You say you'll talk about it, which is why you'll talk about it. But if you just say you won't and just decide, you know what? When Birth the Conqueror, if it ever does get canceled, God forbid, I'm going to move on to something else. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push forward. You're an entertaining guy, man. The yeah. world needs entertaining people. Okay, what part you don't do have you, to worry of your personality that. do you not like about you? I get uh, angry at things too easily. Seriously, yeah. I do that too, and that isn't yeah. something I know about. That's myself. my number one, my number one thing. Whether it's something someone says, or something, something that happens, or even watching this fucking this documentary, yeah. you know, that I get angry. I, I was like visualizing what I wanted to do physically to each one of these cunts that's causing all these people to lose their houses, and I'm just picturing myself strangling them and just getting so enraged. It almost becomes like an animal. Like animalistic and, and primal, it gets very, it's very dangerous, and that's why I was saying to you, like, be really careful, man, because you never know who the fuck you're gonna run across. Oh, oh, as, oh! I, as crazy I, as I might be, I'm nothing compared to a lot of people that I've ever met, man. I've I've met some really crazy motherfuckers that if you pick them, you're the wrong guy, and you wind up saying something to them, they're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you've just brought me someone to kill. Yeah, you know, and they'll just attack you, and they know how to fight too. There's a lot of people like that, a lot of them. I've met a lot. Have of you them. always been like that? Me, anger, yeah. Part of it is my childhood. Part of it is genetic. I'm, I'm, I have Sicilian peasant genes. I mean, there's a reason why my hands are as wide as cinder blocks. You know, I have the weirdest. Bo- Look at that, folks. I got the weirdest bone structure ever. I have giant hands. You know, they're they're good for hitting things. I'm short and wide. My my family, you know, they 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 grew up carrying bricks and shit. You know, that's what my ancestors did. You know. That that like that design, like I think there's a lot of aggression built into certain body types. And I think yeah. there's you know if you look at like super athletic, like you know you look at some fucking like uh, you know some Mike Tyson looking dude. Like look at Mike Tyson's just body. You look that's just like a guy that looks like he's designed to destroy things. Just yeah. designed to like when he used to step into the ring when he was in the, the the prime of his life in the late '80s, he would get into that fucking ring and it was like that is the scariest human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. You couldn't imagine doing anything else that's what he was there for he's there to smash things just a tank yeah a bull. that guy guaranteed he's got a giant biological buildup of stress that he wow. needs to blow out besides having a fucked up childhood yeah. i mean i think a lot of people that are in jail are in jail because they have fucked up bodies man they have fucked up childhoods a that's interesting so you can almost say that the, the body dictates the personality it does have some effect it's Shut not a completely up. it's not a completely uh benign thing i think that without a doubt you, you, look my i think so 
much clearer after I work out. To me, it's like mandatory. I don't, I don't allow myself to say, oh, fuck, I'm tired. Let me just take a nap. I don't allow that because I don't like me when I don't work out. Yeah. So I make me work out. I make me work out so I can, I can be sane. Like it's, for me, it's like I, I always feel like I got this monkey, and if I don't let this monkey out of the cage, he's going to throw shit at me, and yeah. he's going to fucking start rattling the cage and lighting things on fire. Just <laughs> let him out of the cage. Come on, buddy. Let's go. It's the same way I feel like about my dogs. Like I feel bad if I don't walk my dogs. Yeah. If I don't take them around the neighborhood, let them go smell. I want them to get out. Let's get out. Let's get out. It's the same thing with the animal inside you. The animal inside you, you need to, that motherfucker needs to rage. And if it doesn't rage, it starts looking for opportunities to rage. It starts looking, look at this dick. Wants to get in my lane. Fuck you. Fuck you, bitch. Yeah. You know, but after I work out, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, dude. I'm, I'm not in a rush. I'm a I comedian. started, I started letting people, I thought of this the other day. I got flicked off by these a very liberal couple. Really? A very liberal couple. Of course, I am the stereotype of, of ignorant white male. Like, I drive a freaking expedi- expedition, black on black. You know, fucking... I, I'm just... Do you have a tap-out sticker in your back? <laughs> I can get you one. I'll put it on. All right. No. <laughs> no. I'm always playing something, yes. like, something like hip-hop. Yeah. And, they, and, I, and I, I guess I cut them off. I don't even know. And they were in a little, uh, what's the little Prius? No, the smart tiny, car. No, the tiny Mini Cooper. One from Mini Cooper. And they flicked me off. And then Whoa. she went up and went, ah, oh, uh, like was thumbing upping me and pointing at me. Oh, uh, your car? Yeah, or I you? guess. I don't know. Me or my car. Who fucking knows? And, uh, and then I was, we both got off at Laurel Canyon and we're right next to each other. And I was like, I'm gonna fucking tell them off. And then I was like, hold on. If I tell them off, nothing's going to come of this. But if I make them feel like they won, then maybe they'll continue this behavior until they run into the guy who beats a living fuck out of them. <laughs> so and you so set I, a trap? So I set a trap. <laughs> and I rolled down the window and I was like, you guys, let me, fuck, fuck. And then they took off and they laughed and I was like, great, just keep it up. Keep <laughs> I it see, up. fucking keep took a dive. Up. Keep it up. You took a dive. Took a dive so they awesome. can fucking, oh. That's genius. That's, I've never heard anyone doing that like, before. Do, now, now, do you see, do you sense phoniness in people? Right out the gate. Oh yeah. Ah, I'm oh, so yeah. fucking good at that course, shit. Of course, because you're so honest. Oh, I yeah. feel like I'm really honest with yeah. my bullshit. So yeah. I see shit like right yeah. out the gate, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm 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 super honest. So when someone's not being honest, I smell it a mile away. I smell crazy too. So oh, crazy I and can danger. Smell crazy, really cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 My wife's best friend. We went out to dinner with him, and uh, when we first met him, and and I fucking you know me, I'll talk all night long and drink, and we're having a good time, and then we got done. I go, I don't fucking like him. And she was like, how can you not like him? You just had a great time. I go, she's fucking crazy. She was like, she's not crazy. And then and then, and then, then now I'm like, Matlock. I'm like, we just got to hang yeah. out enough. And then I got to just untangle the necklace enough yep. so it starts to fall apart. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then I brought it up one time about like drugs. And she was like, oh, I used to have a problem with meth. And I was like, bingo. Told you. Dude, that's so funny you said that. I had a, a, a Brian Callen story where Brian used to always date these really fucked up girls and try to fix them. And Brian's been one of my best friends since 94. When I hosted Mad TV, I met Brian, and we like instantly became best friends. Yeah. And uh, when we were hanging around, the first thing I noticed when we were hanging around together was like, this motherfucker dates some broken bitches. I mean, his current wife is a very nice person, but his, his, he's had some disasters in his past. Didn't he fuck Fiona Apple? Uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> I just remember hearing something about yeah, that. Yeah, no comment, true, no comment. Um, like, we are on the internet. There's hundreds of thousands of people, and some of them may know Fiona. So, okay, probably not. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> he uh, he he just you know I used to tell him, man, you got to get better at reading people. It's like, yeah, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting better, man. This new girl, you're gonna love her, you're gonna love her. So he introduces me to her, right? I say hi, how you doing? She goes, hi, nice to meet you. And then I go, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> 
I pull him outside. I go, listen to me, man. She is fucking crazy. Yes, yes, yes. I go, dude, this bitch is fucking crazy. No, I shook her hand. I shook her hand and I looked in her eyes and I saw madness. It was like that Sam Shepard movie based on that uh in the mouth of madness. Remember that? It was like that. I was like, I was like, this this bitch is completely insane. I was like, so I pulled him aside, I go, listen to me, Rand. I go, that bitch is crazy. She's a night. No, 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 she's a good girl. No, 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 dude. She's a fucking nightmare. Dude, 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 dude. You're famous. She's nervous. She's meeting. No, 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 no. No, it has nothing to do with that. I go, that bitch is crazy, man. You gotta trust me, dude. I know crazy. All my spider senses were going off. I go, you better get the fuck away from that girl. Trust me. You're gonna find out. You're gonna find out the hard way. You need to run. Like, what are you attracted to her? She's nice, she just needs friends. No, 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 no. She, it's not that she needs friends. She's fucking nuts. Okay. Time goes on. And uh, eventually, he finds out that she's a meth head. Like, massive. <laughs> you know, I don't know how he missed this. But, like, she was completely insane. And I had some, like, some, some guy was looking, after, looking for her. And, you know, anyway, he oh. winds up eventually slowly getting rid of her. Right? He just gets rid of her. And then one day he's walking down the street. Okay? And he sees his girl walking towards him. And the girl's a hooker. You know, she's got a skirt on, and then he looks up and he realizes it's this girl. And she's got fucking scabs on her face, like she's picking her face. Oh. Yeah, and he goes, uh, how's it going? She goes, what do you think? Okay, oh, you take don't care. Be that honest yeah. with me. This is all, and, I, and oh. I, I swear to God, I picked this up from, hi, how are you? I was like, whoop, 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 whoop. Oh. All these alarms. I'm good at that. I can. But you're not. You people. can't. You can't always think you're good at that. You always got to be open to the possibility that you haven't picked it up yet. You always got to be open to the possibility that some people are better at covering their bullshit, or they have different motivations for being crazy. You know what? What is their motivation? Are, are they delusional crazy? Because delusional crazy is pretty easy to spot because they lie to themselves. Yeah. Or are they deceptive crazy? Deceptive crazy is strange because sometimes deceptive crazy, like there's like a sociopathic element of it where they're not concerned about how they come off, so they, they'll like they'll like really like play to your strengths, and all of a sudden you're like, this guy really compliments me. Wow. Really. Like, meanwhile, what he is is just. A certain type of manipulative crazy that you haven't picked up yet. Fuck. I've had so many crazy people in my life. Of course. You're a comic, man. I mean, do, do, just doing shows. How many nutty fucking people do you meet after shows? <laughs> you make the greatest sounds, man. You can crack me up with every time you make So them. listen, man. Last time you were here, there's a fucking story about the Russian mob. We tease these bitches. <laughs> we, we let these people right now on Twitter. They have been going crazy all day. Do not let Bert Kreischer get out of there without the Russian mob story, man. Okay. Tell us what the fuck happened. All right. <clears throat> this is in 1993, um, probably, I think is when I went to Russia. I was taking Russian classes at Florida State. I thought they were Spanish classes. Because <laughs> I thought they were, I thought they were Spanish classes because I it was a noon class and I signed up and then I was like fucking sweet Spanish at noon I could phone that in and then I get there and they start writing in a new language a new alphabet and I'm like all right this clearly isn't Spanish so then I said I'm gonna leave and the teacher's like listen don't leave um, because if you leave well, I, we can't have a class and I can't get my master's degree so but if you stick around I'll talk to you after the class I get done the end of the class she's like um, listen don't. Uh, you know, if you don't leave and I won't, and just show up at class, and I'll give you a C. And I was like, done, done. So I took Russian. I took Russian one, two, and three because these kids needed another guy in the their class to take these classes. So then finally, I take Rush. I take Russian four, and we go to Russia. We go to Russia. But this is Russia, like when the mob ran Russia. Like, are you did are you guys aware of that? No. Okay. In like the nine late nineties, mid nineties, the mob ran everything that had to do with Russia. So when going over to Russia, you had to you had to 
literally pay off the mob in order to go and study abroad. So we paid off the mob and they gave us in return two banditos, two young mobsters who would go everywhere with us. They lived Whoa. in our hotel. They stayed with us. They went on tours with us. They went, they went, did everything with us. Their names were Igor and Sasha. And when we got there, <laughs> our, our teacher was like, listen, this is Igor and Sasha. They will be ghosting us. But my teacher who was there with me was like, they're in the fucking mob. Igor and Sasha. Igor and Sasha. It's like and a they gay were, guy named Bruce. And they were like, and they were, oh, it gets worse. So, so they're like, listen, whatever you do to our class, do not talk to them. Do not interact with them. Oh my God. Do not engage them. They're only here to shadow us. So in my head, I'm like, fucking get to know these guys, right? Like get a bottle of vodka, six pack of Baltica, <laughs> knock on their door. Now mind you, I speak no Russian at the time. No Russian because I'd never studied in any of the classes. So first night there, I knock on Igor and Sasha's room and they're having a party in there. Like fucking all their friends are in their room. They lived right next to me. And Kendra, my teacher, lived across the hall from Igor. So I knock on their door. Igor opens the door and he looks like a fucking thug. He's got, he's got like a wife beater on, a cigarette, a beer, and he just looks at me in Russian and just goes, Shto. And now, the second he says that, I start panicking. All the phrases I had in my head that I was trying to say all disappear. And all I say to Igor in Russian is, I am the machine. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? How do you say that? Ya, ya machino. And so, but I just said, ya machino. And he went, huh, Shto? And I, now I don't know what I've said. I'm like, did, what did I just say? I'll fuck you up? Like, and I go, I go, I am the machine. And he goes, say it again. I said, I am the machine. And then he starts laughing and he brings me into the room. He's like, hold on. Say it again. And so I say it to the room. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm like, I'm the machine. And they're like, you're the machine. I'm like, I'm the machine. I said that all fucking night with these guys. That's the only communication we had is I said, I'm the machine. And Igor and Sasha and I became best friends, right? We did everything together. If we went on a field trip, uh, they would tell me, machine, you don't need to go on the field trips. Come drink with us. So now, uh, cut to one day, we have to take a train to Moscow. Now, a different mob ran the train to Moscow and a different mob ran Moscow. And Igor and Sasha were not allowed to cross boundaries. And they told me, they said, listen, we're not going to go with you, but we've taken care of you. We've talked to the mobsters on the train and in Moscow. Because <clears throat> we had to pay them, too. We, they had to so follow So they weren't class. allowed to come with you. They weren't allowed to come with us. Because we're, it's a different mob. And we're paying a different mob now to protect us on the train. Wow. We're paying a different mob to protect us in Moscow. Holy shit. So they said, we've taken care of it. Don't worry about it. So they take me to the train. And... Uh, they introduced me to our two new gangsters, Igor and Igor. And what? <laughs> I Double Igors. I swear to you. I Three Igors you. out of four dudes. Igor and Igor. There's not a lot of names in Russia. It's Alex, Igor, or Sasha. What about Fyodor? So, <laughs> so Igor and Igor, my Igor says to these Igors, this is the machine. If you give them alcohol, you'll have a great time. So <laughs> Igor and Igor are like through the roof. They're like, awesome. Don't worry. We've taken care of you. We've, we're sitting in first class. You're not sitting with your class. You're sitting in first class to Moscow. And I'm like... Holy shit, this is what I'm talking about. And I bring another guy, John Bolshoi, Big John. I bring him with me to go sit in first class. And sure enough, man, we're in fucking first class. Just me, these two Igors, John, the conductor. I shit you not. The conductor, before the train takes off, comes into the room. I swear to you. Rips off the band on this thing. Says, this is a present for the machine. It would be an honor to do a shot with you. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking right. So I do a shot with the conductor. And we pound this vodka within... Like fucking 30, 45 minutes, we're done all the vodka in the room. Whoa. We're drinking hard. And my class is all on coach, and I'm sitting in first class. And Igor and Igor are like, let's go get more vodka. And I'm like, done. They, these guys run the fucking train. So we get up, we walk into the bar cart, and uh, Big Igor says, Machine, grab a um, bottle of, uh, grab, grab some bread, Kleb. And I'm like, that's bread. 
I'm, I'm understanding Russian. He's like, grab some sea, that's cheese. I'm like, I'm learning Russian. I'm looking at John who's standing behind me. He's like, yeah. He's like, grab vodka. I go, I know that one. And he's like, grab all the money, grab all the rubles. And I go, what? I look around and we're robbing the bar cart. What? The, the bartender's standing like this, everyone's standing against the wall, and I'm sitting behind the bar with a handful of rubles, a bottle of vodka, and a thing of bread going, holy fuck. John looks at me and he's like, just take it, let's go. Take all the fucking cash out of the bar cart. And what is the bartender doing? Not making eye contact. Every and they're packed Everyone out. just lets it happen. Every, it's the mob. They ran everything in Russia. Everything. Wow. And so we get done and we go back to our room and it's a totally different energy. Like very like, very sketchy, you know? And, and, Are you uh, freaked out now? I'm freaked out because I'm like, fuck, I just robbed the car. Like no one else saw anyone rob the bar car except for me. And my teacher, Val, who's at the time was our chaperone, didn't speak any Russian. She comes to our first class cart opens the door and says, I need to talk to you right now. And I was like, listen. And she goes, I told you that you're in big trouble. You, I, my classmate, your classmates have told me what happened. Big Igor takes a sip of vodka, spits in her eyes and goes, no one talks to the machine like that. I'm like, whoa, he spit vodka in her eyes. And fucking it is. And and then shuts the door and then looks at me and he says, don't worry. I got you. When it gets dark, we're going to have a lot of fun. And he pulls out a thing of keys. He's got keys to the whole fucking train. He's like, we're going to rob everyone when the when it gets dark. Now I'm like, fuck, what did oh I get myself my into? Like, this is bad news. Bad fucking news. So we it gets dark. And sure enough, then we start robbing the train. Go through my class first. And we'd fucking open the door. Little Igor would crawl in, pull the bags out. John and I would go through them and try not to steal like anything important. And Big Igor would stand guard. And if anyone woke up, he'd take a sip of vodka and spit it in their face. What? And, and it was, I mean, it's sketchy. Now it's sketchy. It's not even fun. Are they lo- Are these guys armed? Fucking, no, no, no. They're loaded, though. They're hammered, pissed drunk. We robbed my whole class, and then, uh, and then we end up, they end up taking off and going into the car, and me and John are sitting in, in the first class car just thinking, we're fucked, man. We're fucked. We robbed the train. We've robbed the bar cart. And they come back, and they're just fucking angry drunk, like pissed angry drunk. We pull into Moscow, and my teacher, Val, uh, comes to the door, opens it, and said, I'm just letting you know we've called the police. So I was like, fuck. So Igor and, Igor and Igor are like, fuck it, don't worry, fuck the police, fuck the police, this is Russia. Who the fuck does she think she is? This isn't America, this is Russia. We run everything. I'm like, ugh, I'm going to fucking go to the gulag. Sure <laughs> the enough, gulag. sure enough, man, the cops are sitting on the, on the middle, like, the middle, you know, where people get off the train, that little receiving area. My class is sitting there. My whole class are in the pajamas, they're crying, their bags have been gone through. They're fucking giving statements to the cops and the cops are writing them down. And I'm sitting with Igor and Igor and John in the fucking cart and they're just still drinking and smoking and they're like, fuck this, fuck this, we'll take care of this right now. They walk outside, out to the cops, and start yelling at the cops. And I'm like, motherfucker, this is not how I would have taken care of this. <laughs> just, I don't, know, I don't even know what they're saying, but they're just shouting and the cops are shouting back. And then finally Big Igor just starts pointing at me. And I'm like, oh, he's pinning this whole fucking thing on me? Like, I'm going down for the whole thing? And then the cop starts pointing at me and telling me, or whatever he's saying, come here right now. So I fucking walk out. And it's that moment where you find the hash on your body. You know, they find it and you're going to jail forever. That's that moment, that walk. Where your asshole gets cold, and you're like, this is it. This Midnight is Express. Fucking, that's the moment. And I walk all the way across this little fucking trail to get to him. I get right up to the cop, and the cop looks at me, and he goes, I understand you're the machine. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, tonight you party with us. I was like, <laughs> what? All right. So then we went out and party with these cops. So the cops did nothing. <laughs> fucking nothing. They were so excited to meet the machine. What? They were like, this fucking, it was the, it was, it, it was, it has a, it was a, a nickname. Is there no one funny in Russia? Is that what it is? 
No, there was no, there was no humor. There was no. I so when drink they, with you. Is that what it is? Is <laughs> no one funny, and then you come along and you're hilarious. So they're like, we're partying with you. Yeah, and I was, and I was just loud. Like, there's not a lot of loud people. Like, you would you be walking? willing to move to Russia to be their bitch and to like? No. <laughs> Dude, those guys scared me. One night, the guy. One How night, many nights did you party with these guys? Uh, oh, I partied with Igor and Igor on the train only, and then I partied with the cops in Moscow with John. And then for one night, and then we we hid from them because they wanted they like the cops wanted. Uh, no, the cops were sc- were scary, more scary than the gangsters because they you they could not get in trouble. Like they you they were like drive my cop car and you're like what the fuck drive my cop car just fucking. Do they drive on the left side or the right yeah. side? Uh, Same side as us. Uh, I I don't remember. I, I was there for three months. You think I'd know? I have <laughs> they, no idea. I, I was think they drive on the same side as us. But they but they I mean like the whole experience in Russia was just I mean it was just I remember one time we Igor and Igor and Sasha had said they were going to get a boat for us for Russian May Day or Labor Day and they were like yeah we got a um, they're going to have a big boat for our whole class we're all going out on a boat so I get up early for the day we're going out on the boat and I go over to Igor's room and Igor's eating dried fish drinking beers and I was like what's the matter and he's like I'm fucked I go what and he goes we got no boat I go what do you mean he goes I've done t- I've everything to try to get a boat I can't get a fucking boat and we've promised the class a boat for the tour is supposed to have a boat. And so we're like, oh, fuck. And he goes, and then all of a sudden his, the phone rings. And he goes, we got a boat. I go, we do. And he goes, yeah. So we start walking to the dock. We're carrying a fucking big case of beer, my whole class, cameras and fucking their little passports around their neck. And one of his buddies just walks up and he's like, hey. And he's like, hey. And then we just get to the dock and there's a boat there. And we just get on it and take off. And halfway through, we realized the guy just stole the fucking boat. Yeah. Really? He just stole the boat, and he was like... Russia must be just fucking crazy, Insane. Man. We went to we went to a, a big mob boss party one night, and Igor's like, tells the mob boss, he goes, this is the machine. This is the guy. What, it, how does this all happen? I just was loud, and then and then I was partying with Igor and Sasha so much that, like... that And, and they just tell their friends, oh, you got to meet this guy. you got to meet this guy. He's so funny. Dude, we, we're going to have to never, drink with you. I never yeah. lived it down. We've got to yeah, do shots totally. with Bert Kreischer. You've got to be careful, man. You're, you're, oh, you're, you're like selling yourself as this incredible, fun party guy, and everyone's going to want to do shots with you. Oh, I don't. I'm, I'm fucking. Are you friends with Igor on Facebook now? Have you like tried to find him? <laughs> I don't think Igor's alive. Can I follow Igor on Twitter? I think Igor. I like Sasha wanted to be a filmmaker really bad. Yeah? Like, he really wanted to be a filmmaker, and he'd talk about film. and What kind of film? I have no fuck. I was, I was, Snuff. 20, I was 22 at the time. Murder films. Igor was... Uh, Igor's probably dead, I would say. You you had a pretty interesting life before you ever became a comedian. You would think you have a wealth of fucking stuff to talk about on stage. Did you yeah, ever figure out a way to tell that mobster story on stage? I can't because it's too long. It's too like it's. I can tell you here, but it, to tell it, to you tell just it need to chop it up. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hmm. like the Tracy Morgan story. I, I, right. I, you can't. I, I never felt comfortable telling. Well, that that's story. ridiculous. Well, there's a perfect example because look, Jay was telling it on stage and it was crushing. Yeah, I know. You should totally tell that on stage. Yeah, maybe I'll have him tell the machine story and then <laughs> and then have him tighten it up from him. Have him tighten it up. Yeah, just just farm it out to other like you know if there's some Mexican comics in town, sort of like surrogate jokes. You can have them carry your joke for you into yeah. into you know term. But yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't party like that really anymore. You were I mean, just I, telling us how much hammered you get lately because you're trying planes, to avoid this on planes. Yeah, like that's fucking anxiety. That's me trying to handle whatever I've done to my brain so that I can get from fucking LA to New York. Do you feel like you're some guys don't want to lose that anxiety because they're worried afraid, that if yeah. they become uh, evolved, some whatever, you know, enlightened, however you want to say, that they wouldn't be funny anymore. Yeah, I'm afraid. 
whatever. I get nervous as shit before I go on stage still. I used to think that uh, if I became more enlightened, I wouldn't be funny. I would avoid like doing yoga and I would avoid meditating because I literally thought I had to be more fucked up to be funny. I feel that way. Like they asked me to get on this drug called Selexa. For what? What does that do? Uh, they say I have social anxiety disorder. Hmm, let's see. Selexa. How do you spell it? S-E-L-E-C-E-L-E-X-A? No, I want to say it's an S. I got a prescription no. for it, but it's I used never... to treat depression. Yeah. Class of antidepressants called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors that works at increasing the amount of serotonin, a natural substance. You know, I, my thing with all this stuff is first get your body in order. Yeah. You know, this is what I tell everybody. Whenever I talk to anybody and they're like, oh, I'm thinking about getting on something, I'm not completely opposed to people doing any any sort of antidepressant. I, I know people that's changed their fucking life. I know people where it's helped them dramatically, you know, including one buddy of mine who got on it, changed his life, and then slowly weaned himself off of it and literally has a different way of thinking now. Really? And it saved him. Yeah, he was really super depressed. He had some real issues. You know, how much of it was his childhood? How much of it was his, you know, biology? Whatever the fuck it is. But I think you gotta get your body in order before you start fucking around with all that stuff. Oh, my body's a wreck. Yeah, well, of course it's not working so good then. Yeah, but it's. <clears> so it's how it's, often do you work out? Uh, I work. Do, I do you want to be healthy? I mean, am yeah, I, yeah, 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 no, no, no. Do you I want totally advice? Want to be healthy. Yeah. Do you want advice? Why don't you uh, join some sort of a, a gym? Get get some sort of a trainer. I'm not home. When am I, that's when's that ever gonna happen? Okay, how about this? Bring a DVD on the road with you. I have DVDs that are all body weight exercises. Yeah, yeah. You can do it in your hotel room. You set a laptop down on the bed, and right in front of the bed, you need a fucking small space. You start doing Hindu squats and Hindu push-ups, and you know, shake weight, baby. And uh, you shake know, weight. push-ups with claps in between them, and then you could do handstands against the wall. Dude, you could have a serious fucking workout. Yeah. Steve Maxwell told me how to uh, do chin-ups on a um, a door you uh, you you put a towel inside the door slam it shut so there's a knot in the towel and the knot stays like so that you know you can you can uh, slam the door shut and Jesus. you know you can have it like so you can't pull the towel through yeah. and then you do chin-ups with it I do all kinds of crazy shit in my hotel room yeah I, I'm sure that's one of the things I need to do uh, but before you start taking any crazy ass I'm not pills, gonna take it that, I, they just said that's what you should be on who says this some fucking doctor I went to a therapist once and she was like you need to talk to because, you know, I have a problem with flying, and I've always had a problem with flying. And I fly 200,000 miles a year, but I still have anxiety when I get on a plane. I can't get rid of it. I just dis- hmm. disappeared. And so hmm. they're like, yo, what's, you need to get on Selexa. You also have a social anxiety disorder. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I, I can talk to people all day long. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Anyone would say that you have a social anxiety disorder. You're a fucking comedian. But I, yeah, but, but and, I don't know. So... I'm sure there's a ton of things I need to do to fix my Everyone has a little bit of social anxiety just because you don't know. I mean, when you first talk to someone, you don't know what the fuck you're getting. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get better at it and more used to it as you get older. But I used to remember I used to go to banks and uh, I had already started doing comedy at the time. And uh, I would fucking have weird almost um, like uh, like failures of my speech when I was talking to someone at the bank. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> I'd get up to the counter. Uh, can I help you, sir? As, um, yeah, as I need to, um, I needed to dep- uh, deposit, deposit this. Like, it was just like, yeah. it just couldn't come out right. I was nervous for whatever stupid reason. I mean, I had fought, I had done stand up, I'd done all these scary, scary things, but talking to the teller for whatever reason, you know, would make me lock up, you know? So I think we all have a certain amount of social anxiety. It's just a matter of overcoming that. You, you know? just need India, Indica. 
Bert. Oh, the whole the <laughs> whole <laughs> worst. I've gotten so confused with whatever indica or sativa, slow weed. whichever. Like every time I have a conversation with someone, they're like, "Oh, you need the one that doesn't make you think." Right. But oh, you want the one that doesn't make your body. You don't want to feel it in your body. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" Well, it seems like that you're overthinking everything. So that it seems like the but indica. It's not that would bad. Help I don't think it's any different than anyone else. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm. I, I think if anyone had my lifestyle or my life. Like where you travel, you're gone all the time. You're jumping off buildings. You're jumping out of planes. Right. I think if anyone had my life, they'd go through this shit. Just Has it ready. noticeably changed since you started doing this show? Uh, it's it gotten, gotten much worse? better. Last year was really better. bad, but really? I've gotten much better with my anxiety. Like now, I can appreciate like t- things and go, "Wow, this is really cool that I'm getting to do this." Like last year, I was just a fucking wreck. Yeah. I would find I would find injury in the smallest thing. I'd be like, "That's gonna I'm gonna we we're doing a belly flop contest," and I was like, "What if there's like a stick?" I'm just going to fucking impale myself on it. It's a good question. You should but look I, out for sticks. Thank you. Everyone was like, are you out of your fucking mind? You're going to break it. And I was like, no, it'll go right through my body and I'll die. Depends on how big the stick is. They're all confident that you're going to break it? I guess. I don't. But, I, but I've gotten much better. <laughs> You'd be fun to be in production with. You're like, yeah, it's a good question. I'm yeah, man. I'm the worst the person for sticks. when it comes to anything dangerous. I'm the, the guy who's like, listen, listen. You take chances, motherfucker. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But you better be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be stupid about it. Take informed chances, you know. Yeah, this this season's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun to shoot. Does it? Um, do you do comedy when you're on the road, like filming? Do you like schedule gigs? No, no. And but if I do comedy, all of a sudden, all the all the chaos in my all the chaos gets real fucking mellow. Huh? Because I can talk and I feel like I'm I'm getting that outlet. Like I'm, I was have I was in the middle of like a month stretch from like Alaska to New York to DC to Indianapolis, and then leaving Indianapolis, we had to fly out of Cincinnati, and my wife's like. And I'm complaining to her about my brain or whatever I'm fucking is wrong with me. And then she was like, "Just go get on stage. Just go over to the to the Funny Bone in Cincinnati and get on stage." It's a good and idea. I was, like, I was like, "I guess that is a good idea." Because it's almost like a form of exercise, like this ex- amount of energy that you expend on stage. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I, I don't like I like I. I think I one of the things that's wrong with me is I don't I don't listen very well and I talk more than I listen. Like some people are good listeners. I feel like I'm all fucking. Exporting data. Well, listen, you're you're aware of that, so you you'll be a better listener. It's that simple. Yeah. If you're aware of one thing that's fucking with you, or one thing that you don't like about how you behave, that that's step one. That's even more than step one. That step step one is like thinking what's wrong with me. Step two is like figuring out what it is. You're at step two. You already know what it is. The um, but yeah, but, but I think once I do stand up, uh, that I start I start listening. So I, I'm done talking. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever get done with like a long stretch and you're like, I'm fucking do not want to hear myself speak? Yes, sure. Like, I'm done talking. I just want to. It's hard to discipline myself to listen to tapes when that happens. Oh, I know? can't fucking listen to tapes. I've never listened to a tape ever. Really? Never. How do you go over your bits? I just, it's all in my head. Whoa. Yeah. Do you think that that's the best way to do it or are you just that's the best way for you? I, I, I know that's not the best way to do it because anytime I look at a tape, I go, man, I should have fucking, I could do that different. I could do yes. that better. Yeah. And it always works, but I'm, I hate looking at myself on film and just watching it. And going over it and being like... You know what I say to myself? What? I say you're a professional. I'm a professional comedian. And my job as a professional comedian is to do it the best I can. And to do it the best I can, I have to review tapes. I have to actually write. I have to take chances on stage where I go on stage and I just... I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about. I just go... I have to do that. Go down dark roads, especially like South Comedy Hole. I love that place because it's like 80 people and we... You know, I can just fuck around and talk about anything. And bits will come out of that. 
So there's that, but you got to write and you got to review your shit. You got to listen write. to it. You got to do it all. You got to do everything. I write, but I think going through my shit's exhausting. I mean, it I is can't. exhausting, but that's part of the job. Yeah. You know, as I, as I've gotten older and as I've gotten, I think, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I take my stand up more seriously, but I think I've gotten better at being disciplined about it. Especially like the last special that I did was like, came out less than a year, like a little over a year ago. And I've got a completely new hour and 20 minutes between now and then. And it was difficult to do that. I've never done that before. I always sort of slowly built up an act, you yeah. know, over the uh, the next few years because I kind of had to, yeah. you know. But now the way I do it, I, I, I just, uh, you know, and I, I kind of like got inspired by Louis C.K. talking about how he comes up with a new hour every year. So I, you know, I just tried to uh, attack it and write as much shit as possible. And in doing that and in, in trying to put together a new hour in a year. You, you have to review material. You have to be more disciplined about it. You have to be more professional about it. Yeah, but I, I know is your new hour thematic of who you are right now? It's the best thing I've ever done, for really? sure. It's most the most silly. But I also think that's part of the re- reason is because of this podcast. Like, I don't feel like the need to... Um, extrapolate or, or to expand on uh, like philosophical ideas or, or, or try to make something funny that might not necessarily be funny. Like all I'm really concerned about is being funny as opposed to, you know, like sometimes I'd have bits about something I just wanted to talk about. Why well, don't I have to worry about that now? Cause I just talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's the, the outlet is better. So in a sense, I think it's condensed my comedy and made it, made it like sharper and better, made it more funny. Yeah. My comedy's all over the fucking place right now. Everything's all over the place. What is your uh, open or your comedy? What is the? Do you, is it any kind of theme, or mm-hmm. are you just pretty much? It's a, you sound like some guy at the fucking hotel. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like a, what do you do, comedian? So, uh, what do you do when you're on stage? There, do you have a theme to your act? There, fella, what's uh? Well, you know, what like, kind of comedy? If, if you're do you're talking do? about your comedy, Joe. You'd say it's more like a storytelling based. It's kind of conspiracy, kind of theory. Your kind of life. You conspiracy know, theory. Well, you used to be more conspiracy, but not not really conspiracy. Anymore. We're talking about the the pyramids bit. You mean? I don't yeah. say that it's a conspiracy. Pyramids, Noah's Ark, all that stuff. But uh, do, do do you have more of a like like bitty? Are you more no. jokey, jokey? No, no, I'm, or? I'm straight up storytelling. Storytelling. I, I would say I would say more so. I, I my stand up show is more like you're going to watch someone. You're going. I, I feel like it's it's literally you're coming to my house. I'm telling you stories. I'm standing on the ottoman. And you're sitting on the couch, and I'm just, you're like, man, that guy's house is fun to be at. Like, it's a lot of just crowd interaction. You know, I told you this last time I bring people on stage, but yeah. with straight up stories, I've had always had a hard time. Like, I have a great story about the first time I met Will Smith, and I've had a hard time. Um, I have a hard time ta- telling it because I feel like it's. I feel like it's uh, name droppy. Yeah, yeah. Like it it's just, it just. And yeah, it, whenever you you you're running uphill. Whenever you say, "Oh, here's the time I met Will Smith," like yeah. fuck, get the fuck out of here. Do you, still, do you still hang out with us? I think you. Yeah. I think you need to, uh, you know, you have to have a jamming fucking story if you want to bring up the time you met Will Smith, yeah, just to it, overcome the weight of carrying that story around. But it's, uh, but it's all storytelling. It's and it's, you know. Do you write? Do you sit down and write stuff? You no, know, I can't write a story because it, then it uh, loses. The story always works the first time I tell it on stage, and if I ever could have ever videotaped it, I'd be like, bam, that's how I need to tell it every time. But you got to almost in my, the way I work is my brain. I've got to feel the beats. Like feel the beats and where they go and where they drop and where they hit, right? And then, um, and and if I write it, it just becomes very long winded and all the jokes that uh, that 
that would fit in on stage just don't fit it. They're they're like longer themes. So everything you talk about on stage is pretty much stories. Yeah, I would say. So you'd literally never sit down with a laptop, laptop and say, you know, I'm going to do the Russian mob story. Then I'm going to do the, the Russian Dairy mob story. Has been the hardest one for me to tell on stage. I've done it. I've done did it on. Have you ever done Elliot in the morning in DC? No. I did Elliot in the morning and I told it on on his show and then everyone would come to the show and be like machine machine. And then I'd get up at the end of the night and I'd be like, fuck, I got to tell a story. That seems like a, ch- a show or a story rather you can tell on stage. I'm going to try. <clears throat> I'm going to try to start working it into shows. But it's also weird if like, like I do the, I, fight, I do the fight in a bear story on stage. I do the, uh, I do the story about my daughters, uh, my daughters. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like, I bit- you never like say, say, what if you did a special, like, are you going to do a, a comedy central special? Or I've anything? done an hour. You did an before, hour. Yeah. When did you do this? Uh, probably 18 months ago. And when you did it, did you feel like, did you have to write all new stuff after you did it? Yeah. But that's, but that's, but I also get, I feel like a hack if I tell old jokes, I'm, I'm yeah. very, I don't like listening. I feel like a phony a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. I feel like a phony only because I don't like, I guess when I, when I got into stand up, I traded whatever. My wife goes nuts about it. I traded whatever brain I have that is the guy that gets a job at Dean Witter or whatever and has those luncheon stories and tells a story about golf last week. I traded it in for every story is fucking funny. Every story is funny. And like, and I don't like, I'm, I'm fucking willing to mine anything. And, and if, if it takes it quick, like the Russian mob story, I, I obviously shortened a massive chunk of that because the real story is a little depressing. The real story gets really depressing. So I, but I, if you tell it to people, then they fucking. But there's like, something crazy about you robbing people. Do you tell the story dude. about you working out in the bookstore on no. stage, dude? You gotta yeah. tell that one. And I was thinking about that. What if they? You never masturbated down there or do no. anything like no, that? No, there was a guy. There was a sign up. This is gonna sound even crazier. There was a sign up at that, and I when I was when you'd go to Hidden and Freight Elevator that said whoever there was double doors. Whoever is urinating on this door, please stop. <laughs> There's offices on the other side. So I kept seeing that going, wow, that's so funny. I bring the freight elevator down here to work out. I wonder who's bringing it down to piss on these doors. And then I started thinking, what happens when you piss on these doors? Like, does it, it's got to be a fucking really good payoff for the, fu- for them to, for someone to really risk it every mo- and just do it. And I was like, I should do that. I should definitely piss on those doors. And then that's why I got caught because they were reviewing tape to find out who was pissing on the doors. And then they saw me working out, and they were like, well, it's got to be him pissing the doors, too. <laughs> wow. So I'm sure I got fucking tapped for both of those. Wow. Yeah, without a doubt. But, you know, it's so funny. Like, now that you – this is the way my brain works. I remember Tell telling me I had a joke one time about um, – uh, my name's uh, – when I was growing up, I tried tagging in my neighborhood. So I got a can of spray paint, and I was all – I was like, son of a bitch, I'm the only Bert that lives in this neighborhood. And then I was like, sucks, dick. And Attell was like, that's a great joke. And I was like, and as soon as he said that, I'm like, that's in every fucking act. So now that you say you should tell the working out in the, in the Barnes & Noble, as soon as you said that, my brain went, oh, that is good. I never saw it as good. And I never thought it Dude, worthy to a, bring on that's stage. That's a classic bit. I, I laughed. I, I, I when you said that you know we have cameras down here, dude, that would crush. Yeah, now I'll that tell it on crush. stage. But that's the way my brain works. Like I never thought about telling Tracy Morgan, and Jay's like, "You've got to fucking tell it on stage." And I was like, "Nah." How did have you guys resolved that? Uh, I don't know. I think so. I mean, here's the thing: is that if he wants to tell it, he can tell it. Right. I don't want to tell it. I don't like. Does it, do you make him say that it's Burt Kreischer? No, because I don't want Tracy Morgan fucking Tracy one day. 
that fucking hen is coming back to roost. You think so? <laughs> he's going to get mad at you? He's Come on. He's going to love you. First of all, he tells crazier stories than that every time yeah, he goes on the radio. Yeah, you ever see the me. thing that he pulls his shirt off and goes, someone get pregnant. Oh, he starts slapping his stomach. <laughs> Tracy Morgan's one of the most hilarious individuals around, but I, I just don't know him. So I don't want to, like, I only met him one time, so I don't want to. Yeah, but it's such a funny story. I don't think he, he I think he's as a comic, which is to go, that is a hilarious story. In a, in a weird way also, though, and I, and I think I admitted this to Jay, it's better, I, I, I enjoy the people coming to me and go, I heard that Tracy Morgan story of yours. That's fucking hilarious. I enjoy that more than telling it every night on stage and having that to be my closer. And then every night, everyone's like, Tracy Morgan. And I'm like, oh, fucking again. Why? It's a great story. I don't know. Please. I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm. That's an amazing story. It's a great story. It's a great it's story. It's a pretty fucking great and story. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Tracy Morgan would have no problem with you telling that. Yeah. Well, Tracy Morgan is like Joey Diaz, except every now and then Joey Diaz would get upset at you telling the truth about some story. Well, you remember got yeah. mad about the marijuana? Well, like, how about, yeah, how about the thing the other day? Yeah, you're telling everybody on your podcast I didn't fucking show up for that show that one time. <laughs> but you didn't tell him I was over at Eddie Bravo's. I was at Eddie Bravo's. Like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I like, I like that response. He was at Eddie Bravo's and then went to go see a movie. Yeah, it was, was crazy. <laughs> Meanwhile, people people quoted on my website. I ain't gonna lie to you, dog. I never Wait, left Vegas. Did you people, ever do impressions? That he was in what? Did you ever do impressions? You're really good at doing people's He's been voices. Doing a lot of impressions. Like, you do Brian well, Callen, and it's so subtle, but it really sounds like Brian Callen. I can do a few. I can do, do Alex Ari, Jones. Do uh, hey, what you guys do? Uh, anybody realize I'm a Jew? Hmm. I can't really do Ari. <laughs> I, I can't really do Ari. I have to know I can do people. Like I can do. Um, who do I do? I could do uh, Alex Jones. I could do him real good. I could do. Yeah, you do do a good Alex Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, black helicopters have been spotted outside of Dallas, Texas, right now. We're gonna go live. Infowars.com. That one and Joey Diaz are your yeah, two best. Those ever. are my two best. I can do Mike Tyson. I can, but that's easy. Arnold Schwarzenegger, pretty uh, easy. I can do. I can do Scotty J from Boogie Nights. Do you remember Boogie Nights? No, what a obscure fucking the blonde hair guy was, was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Do you remember when this is the only? It's not even words. Do you remember when everyone saw Dirk Diggler's cock for the first time? Yeah. Yes. And everyone had their moment. Uh, Burt Reynolds kind of was smoking a cigar and kind of went like this. Yeah. Uh, everyone kind of went like this. And this is Scotty J. This is he, had, he was holding a boom mic and he just went. That's the only impression I. Can. That's pretty good, dude. I think you nailed it. You That's brought so me right cool. back to that movie. I love that movie. You know, when I was uh, when I first started out, I used to do impressions, but I stopped doing them because I felt like it was cheap. Yeah. I felt like it was cheap laughs because I would see guys that would go on stage and they would get laughs just with impressions. Meanwhile, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. it's kind of interesting to see someone do an impression. It like gives you like some sort of a charge. Like, wow, he does sound just like yeah. him. Oh, I was like, I need four or five of those in my act. Yeah. Just to like sprinkle them in between. Cause I'm, they were such a great like. DC Benny used to pull out a fucking. This is my impression of a of a of a Italian eye doctor. What you looking at? Like, and it was just like real quick. And DC I was like, Benny, wow, I haven't thought about that. That's I haven't seen that guy in forever. I used to party with him and Ben Bailey and Tony Woods back when I was like, Tony I, I, Woods. Tony Woods was like one of my best friends. Tony Woods is fucking hilarious. Tony Woods is amazing. I've he never had. Seen. He's like. Um, I mean, I think Dave Chappelle is very original. Don't get yes. me wrong, but Tony Woods is like the original Dave Chappelle. Like, is very similar style to Dave and really fucking funny. And I'm not saying that Dave stole from him. No. Dave is just a, it's like, he's a, he's one of those guys that we've all known guys like that for whatever reasons. Like, they're really funny, but this fucking thing doesn't get on the right track and yeah. something doesn't happen and people don't know you're really funny. You know, there's, there's a few guys like that where like JB Smooth. You know? Oh, J.B. Smooth's so, making a lot of money now. He's so. a destroyer. Yeah. He's always been a destroyer, man. I was in um, 
I did a gig in New Jersey once with JB Smooth, and uh, he was late. We both were late. We got lost. It was ridiculous directions. This is pre-navigation systems, okay? This is like <laughs> 1992, 91, and we're both pretty much scrubs. And, uh, you know, we're both starting out, and we're doing these stupid gigs. And I did this college, and they were all excited to see me because I had done the NACA thing, and yeah. you get on stage, and I killed at the NACA conference, and I got all these bookings, and I was so excited. Well, I get there. I think I've told this story before, so I'll make it briefly. Um, I get there, and, well, the opener's not here. J.B. Smooth was supposed to open. I was supposed to close. The opener's not here yet, so do you want to just sit down and watch TV? Okay. So I sit down in their little rec room and watch TV, and I watch this fucking special on the Malibu Fires. I don't know what year it was. I'm assuming, like, 93, 92, 93, and it was devastating. These people were crying, and there was a kid walking around calling out for his dog, oh. and he's walking over these burnt-down foundations with smoke coming out, and they're like calling every five seconds, Mike, Mikey, Mikey, calling out for the, whatever the fuck the dog's name is, and then there's a guy who's a fireman, and he's crying, and he's crying, talking about this house was the only thing that, you know, he worked his whole life to build this fucking house. Well, the opener hasn't come, so we're just going to throw you up. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. And I, I didn't know back then like there's i had to learn a bunch of times that you have to get yourself into a certain state of mind before you go on stage yeah. that you can't just just try to perform you know yeah. you you have to put your mind you know when you're 21 and no one or whatever the fuck i was and no one's telling you what to do you can kind of develop like like really loose habits when it come to your your stand-up so I, I went up there, dude, and, you know, I did not know how to start the show off. I didn't expect to be starting the show off, so I didn't prepare for that. I prepared to be following the guy, so I didn't have anything. I didn't, you know, when you start a show off from scratch, you got to settle everybody in. Yeah. You got to calm everybody down, get control of the room, then start with some jokes and open strong. Open strong so that they think it's worth following you and paying attention. I did neither of these things. All I did was go on stage and think about these poor fucking people that lost their, their houses to the fire. So then... For whatever reason, a, a joke bombs, right? And then I just say, oh, I shouldn't have watched that fucking show. I'm sorry. This is what I did. I, right before I went on stage, I watched this documentary about all these people in Malibu who lost their houses to fires. And I go, and I'm fucking depressed. And the, you know, the audience is like 200 kids. They're like, what are you, why are you telling us this? Are you a fucking comedian? Like, what are you, what are you here for? Really it was terrible and then jb smooth finally showed up so he goes on after i eat dick for half an hour he goes up and just crushes oh. and it was exactly what they want he was silly and high energy and you know he just picked up the ball where i left it in a pile of dog shit and just ran with it but he's another guy it's like why is that guy not a, a, a giant fucking huge star tony woods brian you probably i'm imagining you've never seen him do stand-up no. he used to go on and purposely literally not speak for the first two minutes and what? just Tony Woods would not speak really and just get himself organized real slow delivery and then he'd say something like I know what you're thinking a joke would be good right about now but I'm black and I don't when I don't just when I get to work doesn't mean I start working I gotta walk around for 15 minutes <laughs> and see who the girl he was so fucking he was like my zen master when I started comedy like, just really fucking, like, just, oh, like, I'd tell a story and be like, that story's good. I told a story one night about fucking a girl on the waitstaff that I worked at the Boston Comedy Club, and I lasted, like, two seconds. 
and she got really fucking pissed started yelling at me after it and I was like I was, and I didn't give a shit I was fucking drunk and we were in my hotel room and I was like listen you can't do that shit I was telling her on stage I was like you can't do that shit and she was like fuck you fuck you you better go online and learn how to read a manual about how to fuck somebody and I was like <laughs> and I was like I was like you know what I don't care I got I, I fucked you I win and she was like ah and then I go and you're getting out of here you're going to Brooklyn and so she was like motherfucker and then got all dressed got to my door I still am totally naked with a, a beer in my hand she's at my door and she was like she was like I swear to god I fucking and then looked at me and went huh like and that and I went and then we both started laughing I slammed the door and then she pounded on every door in my building going Bert Kreischer can't fuck Bert Kreischer can't fuck this is true this is a true story yeah and so I get done and I I tell it on stage and then I get off and Tony Woods goes all right, number one, don't ever tell that story ever again. Why? I I go, why not? And he goes, no one wants to hear that shit. All right, let's leave. (laughs) Tony was just like the best to be around. Why? Well, he's wrong. I want to hear that story all day. No, no, no. no. He lives in D.C. I give him a call every time. Why would he he say not to tell that story? Because you don't want people to know that you can't fuck? Uh, That's a black-white thing. Black guys never want to talk about how bad they are in bed. But yeah, there's a lot of things that are different. I remember we did a show with Donnell Rollins and Red Grant uh, with the two black comics. And they were like, oh, man, you never run a train on nobody? And I was like, <laughs> I was like no, I've never run a train on anybody. And they're like, oh, man, that's, that must just be a hood thing. And I was like, wait, you guys like like fuck a girl at the same time? And then he's like, yeah, run it down. everyone ran trains on people. I was like, I've never once ran a train. I go, that's kind of gay. And they're like, no, that's not gay at all. I go, what the fuck? It's really gay. Like a bunch of guys like playing leaky submarine with some girl just lock, lock, lock. There's a hole back here. But uh, and but that's another thing. That I don't think that has nothing to do with brothers. That's just freaks. Seriously? You just weren't hanging out with wild people. I, man, yeah. I, I guarantee you, to a trend topic. Who uh, <laughs> Running trains? Dude, people run trains in all races. Really? Yeah. Have you ever run a yeah. train? Listen, we're on the podcast. Of course he has. This is on the internet right now. <laughs> I never, I've never even, talk about this. I've only had sex I would, with like, never how many do. people, like, how, can you guess how many people you've had sex with? No. Really? No. I've got like eight. Eight? That's it. That's good. Why? You're doing well. My wife was it. I get... About seven more than I expected from you. <laughs> I was thinking after that waitress, she just called it quits. But then I remembered you had a daughter. <laughs> I don't know, man. I stopped counting. When you're when you're a comic and you're on the road, things get squirrely. When you're a single man, you can do whatever you want. Oh, things can get squirrely. Oh my god. How many comics do you know that um, would literally that's what they were looking for more than even doing comedy? They just want to get laid after shows. Oh, every single one. We know a lot of guys. I know guys that have damaged their careers because they don't write. They don't do anything. All they do is just try to go up on stage and kill and hope they meet a girl after the show. That was the that Mike was Young. the that was the way I I I wrapped my head around the that? store. Really? I thought the store was all like fucking Ahmed, Sebastian, Steve, Brett. I thought Mike Young. I thought they all just Went up, murdered, just to fuck. And then I was like... Do you think they did it? Is that... Do you think that that's like a... Is that a valid thought? Or is that just your I own weird paranoia? semi-valid thought. <laughs> I think that... <laughs> I think that's a semi-valid thought. I did a tour with those guys once, and they were just like... They're like, I was doing more time. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was... We were each doing like 20 minutes, and I was doing 30. Right. like, what are you doing 30 for? Let's get out of here. And I was like, Let's go to the bar. Yeah, let's, let's go, go to the bar. Let's fucking fuck Tell bitches. everybody where to party. I was like, I'm married. I, I want to do time. That's funny. You wanted to do extra stand-up, and they wanted to get off quicker. So that, what they're worried about, see, if there's Mike Young, Brent Ernst, and Aaron, was it Aaron Cater? All in one room, and then, you know, you, you want to be the first guy off stage because yeah. you want to be the one to attack quick. You That's don't want to get there after Mike Young's already taken her into the bathroom. Yeah. 
Could be careful. Fucking Mike yeah. Young. God. Mike Young. Mike, Comics. Mike, his middle name isn't. <laughs> Mike isn't young anymore. No. That's what it should be. Yeah. He eats like a crazy man, too. Does he? Oh, yeah. He's got that pancre- pancreatic cancer in his family. What's that? What? Yeah. yeah, he's got cancer, brain cancer, pancreatic. So if you ever eat with him, you've eaten with him. What does he eat? He just eats very healthy. Like we went to Hooters one day and he had a chicken breast and, and a bowl of uh, lettuce. And I was like, what? And he was like, man, I got to keep my healthy, my shit clean. Cancer runs in my family and it just creeps up and you die. Wow. Yeah. That's creepy. Like he doesn't drink beer, so he'll do shots of tequila. Oh, that's healthy. That's real good for you. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? That's so fucking stupid. Joey Diaz has started smoking cigarettes again. What? Yeah, what is he doing? Wait, how? how I saw him smoking. He he didn't just start. It's been going on for a while. He smoked one at the airport the other day. He was telling me 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 that he only smokes them before shows, but then I saw him smoking one at the airport. What's going on? He's also. How old is Joey Diaz? You know Joey Diaz, Joe. (laughs) It's like Bigfoot. When when he dies, there will be no no record of him. Who do you want to speak at your funeral? No one. No one. No one. Light me on fire. Who gives a fuck? Are you serious? Yeah, stupid. Uh, I, I, think, I don't want stupid. a bunch of people standing around crying because I'm gone. Are I don't you like, I don't like. Yeah, I don't like going to them. I hate funerals. I, I've skipped yeah. like the last three yeah, I skip friends them. that die. Right, yeah, my friends. Too. When friends die, I, I, you know, I mourn them in my own mind and yeah. think about them, but yeah. I'm not into it. Really? Um, yeah. So when did he start smoking? <laughs> Because I see him the other day with a cigarette. I go, what the fuck is going on? Well, you know how I found out? Brian, did you tell me or did Ari tell me? Ari told me uh, Joey's outside smoking. And I, I go, did we just smoke? I thought he meant weed. He goes, no, no, he's smoking that other stuff. I go, other stuff? Goes, Ari cigarette. said that? Yeah. And then we were working in Brea. And then I went outside and Joey's smoking a cigarette with you. And I go, what are you doing? It just gets the fucking party started. This gets the blood pumping. You know what I'm saying? Right before I go on stage, I go, you smoking cigarettes again? No, no, no. Right before I go up. Right before I go up. <laughs> just get a little taste. Get a little fucking makes me crazy. Makes me nuts. I just want to go up there and go fucking nuts on these motherfuckers. It's been a while. Actually, I've known about it for maybe a year. Wow. Does Terry still smoke? Does his girl still smoke? Uh, I don't think she does, but she did last time I saw her. She did last time you saw her, mm-hmm. which was how long ago? Well, Not long actually, ago at all. The the drunk cast. Yeah. Did the UFC drunk cast. <sighs> I don't like people dabbling in cigarettes, man. You know, it's a scary thing. Joe, we had uh, on uh, Ari's uh, podcast yesterday on Death Squad, uh, we had uh, Mac, okay, Lindsay. Mac Lindsay. And he was, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he, he no. was talking about how he you know, grew up being a, a huge drug addict, homeless, you know, meth head. Mm-hmm. And he did like Doug Stanhope show while he was on meth. And then like Doug, like wouldn't talk to him for five years. And it, I mean, it's a pretty interesting interview, but the one thing he says, like, he's like, you know, everything else, I haven't touched anything for five years and everything, but fucking cigarettes. I can't fucking do it. He's like, I've tried so many times and he's like, it's impossible. He's like, I'll quit. And it's just amazing how, I mean, meth even, you know, well, that's why I'm even. like looking at Joey and I'm like, what makes you think you had a real hard time for years? He would tell me, Joe Rogan, that's the hottest fucking thing I ever had to quit. Mm-hmm. Those cigarettes, there's something in them. They get in your bones. You know what I'm saying? They never leave. They get in your fucking sweat and your blood. They get in there and you can't get them out, Joe Rogan. You can't get them out. And now I see it. I see someone smoking. It makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. I can't believe I ever did that. So to see him smoking again after all that. Even, like, even though you say that, which is what I would say too when I quit and yeah, everything. Well, like you that. did say when yeah. you did, yeah. It's in the back of your head, though. Every time you smell it or see a cigarette, you still think. I still think about I it. I haven't smoked in, in, I haven't smoked in oh, well over 
20 years. What does it make you feel? Like what 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 I, happens you when you, it. what you, what, you what does it give it. you? What what is the feeling like? Because no one see when when you smoke pot, you sit back and you're like, "Whoa." Like you feel it hit you, it's instant, it changes your outlook, it gives you an altered perception. It's like it changes your body, it makes you more sensitive. I see people smoking cigarettes and I'm like, "You're still the same guy." Like you, nothing relaxed. happened. It there. relaxes you. It does it relax. relax. It relaxes you. I chew tobacco for a long time. No. It, <clears throat> for the no. same reason? Yeah, I chew tobacco cuz like I couldn't imagine doing this what we're doing right now without a dip in my mouth really i couldn't imagine i could not imagine if you if you someone would come into like our lounge and our fraternity or or into my apartment and be like dude you're never gonna believe what happened i'd be like give me a second let me get a dip because a good Whoa. story was like you had to have, have a dip, dip first in. oh man uh sal from sal's comedy hall is addicted to cigars holy shit that guy is just i go how many do you smoke a day he's like ah, all day i go all day and he smokes them when they're like just Nubs. a blob and then he goes and crap. gives somebody money to go buy him more. Is he? Does he inhale them? No, you don't inhale, inhale cigars. Some people do. Yes, really? Yeah, that's. What, I mean, usually Jesus people that are addicted Christ. to cigars inhale yeah. them. Yeah, most people that are addicted to cigars. <clears throat> like I smoke cigars, them. but I don't inhale them. So I, if I have one, it's going to be because my dad's in town, or someone says, "Hey, would anyone like a cigar?" Like I don't. Dude, need you want to come with me, man? I got a, a membership at the Grand Havana Room. I got a, a humidor up there and everything. Seriously? Yeah. You, you don't smoke cigars? Yeah, I do. I do. Really? Yeah, me and my uh, friend Matt, we go there every now and then. We have little butt buddies. We have our names on the plaque together. We share a box. We got a bunch of Cuban <laughs> cigars. Is in that, it. Yeah, it's the Beverly shit. Hills? Yeah. You, you, you sit down and you feel like a fat cat. You know, all these, all these assholes. But what's really interesting <laughs> is how many, like, celebrities go there. Like, you see, like, look, it's David Caruso, who looks a million years old, by the way. Does it's he? like, wow, that was the guy. That's the guy from NYPD Blue. You know, now he's, like, become this weird sort of a caricature with, uh, you know, this, his sunglasses and that CSI Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Those shows, man. You doing one of those shows, man? You want to talk about a life changing thing? That's your new life, pal. Really? Your, new, your new life it revolves around this show that you're doing because you're going to film it most of the year and you're going to film it most of the day, most of the week, almost really? the entire week. You're going to be spent filming five, six days a week, twelve hour days, sometimes more, depending on what shots need to get done. Those those fucking shows are brutal. I've had a bunch of offers. I've had a few things come my way where you know they wanted to meet me for something like that. I'm like, what is it? Single camera drama. Stop. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop really. I'm not doing You don't it. seem like a five-year plan, five plan kind of guy. The though. more time goes on, man, the more I am just enjoying doing comedy, doing the podcast, and doing the UFC. And I wish the UFC, I would like to do less of those. I love doing it, but sometimes I travel just a bit too much. I would love it if it was like in L.A. or something like that. Or, yeah. you know, but sometimes it's hard. But when I'm there, I never wish I was anywhere else. It's, I will, I'm enjoying everything I do. So I'm very careful right now to make sure that I don't take on anything else that I don't enjoy because right now my life is like a little masterpiece like i've got it set up so i'm like when i'm in town i'm enjoying everything i'm doing yeah. i have the greatest group of friends you know and a part of it is this podcast you know and now because of this podcast the people that are coming to see me at the shows are different it's like now they're all podcast fans and they really know where the fuck i'm coming from and we're all where we're all coming from i mean brian gets fucking huge rounds of applause when he goes on stage now brian did like five minute sets and in, in portland he gets huge rounds of applause ari does too huge huge round of applause in seattle brian's the puff daddy of podcasts balling bro but it's you know it's all good stuff it's not like when i was doing fear factor it was like it was a great job it was you know it paid ridiculous money and it was really easy it was three days a week but during those three days, I would wish I was doing something else. Yeah. You know, and I, I did it you know, happily because it was a lot of money. But 
there's never a time when I'm doing a podcast, never a time when I'm doing stand up, never a time when I'm doing the UFC where I go, wow, I wish I was doing something else. Yeah. Like every time there's a UFC, I'm like, fuck yeah, here we go. You know, the, the boom, boom, the sound comes on, the lights dim, first fight starts. I'm like, woo, I punch knuckles with Mike Goldberg. Here we go. Wow. Every time, man, I'm like a little kid. I love it. There's never a time where I'm like, God, I can't believe I'm sitting here watching fights. Never, never. No, and no. stand up right before I'm going to go on stage, there's never a time where I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I'm doing stand up. Never, yeah. never. Now right? how? Now how? Um, how much? How much does money um, incorporate into any of your decision making? Well, it, yeah, it has to, you know. But uh, luckily, I make good money from the UFC, and I make good money from stand up, so it doesn't have to. It's like as long as those things are covered, then I don't have to think about it. It's when they're not covered, then it has to become an issue. Like now, say, how much? Okay, go ahead. Like say when I first started doing Fear Factor, I was not making really good money with stand up. I was doing news radio, but the you sitcom. Can, tell, can you tell me how much you were making on stand up back then? Uh, a few grand a week. Like a couple grand? A couple grand. Okay. Yeah, right. two grand, 2,500 maybe on a good week. But I was doing like Thursday through Sunday, you know. Maybe news radio was getting, it was a little more than that towards the end because it was 99 when I put out my CD and that, that definitely helped. And I was yeah. getting paid better in clubs. And there were some places where I could sell out. Yeah. And I, but it was inconsistent and it's few and far between. So like when something like Fear Factor came up, it was like, well, hold, here's a good chance to make really good money, you know. And when you say like 2,500, people go, wow, that's a lot of money. But then, you know, when you, you take away agents, fees, managers, fees, agents, manage, Fees and uh, also business manager and and, can, and consider you're also in a different tax yeah. bracket because you're on news radio. Yeah, so you're I I can tell you exactly how much you walk away with twenty five hundred. Yeah, that was, that was my rate. Yeah, you walk away with thirty cents on the dollar, thirty five <laughs> yeah. cents on the dollar. Yeah, ridiculous. Right yeah, it's ridiculous. But that's just the way it is. So you, you have to make good money to stay ahead of the curve. And then if you want to be able to relax, you have to have enough in the bank so you don't worry. You know, if something happens, you you you, you want. I mean, financial freedom. The real financial freedom is not. It's not the freedom to you know like to buy things and to own things. The real financial freedom is to not worry about money. That's yeah. the, that's the number one thing. Get yourself in a place where you could feed yourself and 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 be able to. Brian Callen said this to me once, and I really took it to heart. And he goes, "I he goes being rich. I'd like to be rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I want to do? So I want to be able to go to a nice restaurant whenever I want. Go to a nice restaurant." And I'm like, that's so true. Like, be able to eat at a nice place and never go, well, how much is the steak? 28. Yeah. How much is the fish? 24. Oh, the fish. Oh, yeah, the fish. Yeah. You know that feeling? Which yeah. I mean, even oh, then, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I clearly remember thinking like that, you know? That's, that's real financial freedom. You don't have to think about stuff. So the way I've got everything set up, man, it's like I'm in a real good spot right now. So i got to be real careful about taking on any other things. Yeah. Like, um... I talked about uh, I'm pitching this show right now. It's sort of based on some of the ideas that came up on the podcast. But the, really, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'd rather just put cameras on the podcast. That's what, really, yeah, that's, yeah, that seems like the most ideal thing because we're pretty much doing it already. Might as well do it. Out of all the things in your career, I would say this is probably the most – and this is, this is just as a person who's, who's obviously been a, a fan of yours and I'd say a, a friend somewhat. But uh, this is probably the most representative of you, and this is – this is your. This is the one thing that I think when you pass, people will go, dude. His podcast was fucking. Yeah. That was before people were really like doing them, and and it was just it was breaking ground. I mean, it was like, and it was his. It's your personality. Your well, stand up's your personality, but it also has to be uh, delivered in a one two set. There is a payoff at every moment in your stand up, so you will compromise. Despite how much people will argue this, you will compromise. 
your voice for a joke yes a lot of times yes it's different and i don't feel like i have to get my voice out anymore you know i used to feel like there were certain things that i wanted to say on stage that maybe i couldn't say because i couldn't condense it into a joke form i don't feel like that anymore yeah you know there's a lot of stuff that i have there's a lot of weird thoughts that i have that i've expressed on the podcast and i've explored you know in depth that almost have no payoff as far as humor you yeah. know like the, my idea about the whole universe being some complex mathematical problem uh, every literal thing that goes on is just a part of some giant fucking algorithm this is something i've been dwelling on for a long long time there's nothing humorous in that but we've discussed it on the podcast a bunch of times oh i totally believe it in parallel states yeah i fucking totally believe in that shit i believe that do you ever think to yourself like i can't believe i'm still alive <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> brian does because yeah. brian ate onions this morning and his heart almost fucking exploded <laughs> Onions and heart palpitations. Brian has this super hot girl. Can you tell the story that you were telling me right before you started the show about how lazy you are? Oh, yeah, sure. Tell this. This, uh, is, this is how ridiculous this motherfucker is. First of all, this girl he's dating, 10. Okay, 10. Really? Solid 10. Not 10 face, but a six personality. Not 10 face, but a five body. She's a fucking 10. She's a 10. LA 10. It's an LA ten. An LA ten. Legit ten. Fucking. I don't. I don't use LA tens. I use tens. This is. I don't. I don't judge anybody in any other way. This is it. Okay. Straight up across the board. There's no. No doubt. I was so just too me. tired to have sex. What's wrong with that? No. Tell me what you did. I. I, I went down on her. She had orgasms, and I was like, "I'm good. Going to bed." Dude, you need to go to a doctor. All right. You need to get some. Get your fucking blood work done. Find out you need niacin in your diet and. My incorporate some said, squats and do your my wife get off the cigarettes. The day we had sex. We had this is my wife would hate that I'm talking about this. Don't let her know we have a podcast. My wife couldn't figure out a fucking computer. <laughs> it's broken. It's broken. I don't. Why does it always break when I touch it? Because you're ah. fucking retarded. <laughs> and so she says, um, "We ha I, I, my whole thing is go oral first, and then we'll do twosies." Right. <laughs> and so. We had oral sex, and then she said, I said, all right. And she goes, well, what about just me? Doesn't that ever happen? Like, it's so often it's just you. What about really? Just, yeah, of course. You get head all the time? Like, just no, no. Up, just, just squirt it in there and go yeah, to sleep? just be like, oh, sorry. Really? Like, do you oh. do that? Wait, oh. You don't. See, do you realize I, I, how different we are, I, Joe? I enjoy eating pussy. I've talked about it many times. So to I me, do, too. I do, too. Even if I'm not horny and they're horny, I'd be like, oh, dude, I'll totally take care of you. You don't get horny okay, once you're eating pussy, though? That is the gayest thing I've no, just heard in my yeah. life. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's like good. saying, like, I, yeah, I'll, I'll go out to eat with you are. and I'll just chew it and spit it on the floor. No, I mean, I'm going to fucking swallow it, Brian. I'm saying, I'm going to go Bill Burr on your ass. Don't talk about an RSS feed. I'm not saying that's what I do every time. Last night, I was so fucking tired. I've never been too tired to fuck. Yeah, I've never done that. I've life. never been too tired to drink and too tired. Well, to I woke up and took care of her. So, but Brian, did you? You were not aroused at all. I While was you're half asleep pussy? last night. I seriously was so fucking. Ba Actually, I did take you it back. I know why I did it. On okay. top of being so tired, I was fucking stuffed out of my mind. I made like these huge garlic steaks and vegetables and stuff. So it was more just kind of like you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm just not. Your feeling system it. has just crawled down to a halt, kid. Yeah. You know where you're supposed to take a nap. You know after you eat a big meal. And she sometimes. wants her box eaten. Yeah. And she's a ten. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, he falls asleep. That's. I mean, I maybe could consider he's licking eating. it. She goes, uh, uh, uh. He's like, thank God. I, I could did, maybe I consider that if I'd taken an Ambien and had one of those sleepwalking episodes. And my wife's like, you woke up in the middle of the night and ate my pussy. You don't remember that? And I'm like, oh, it must have been the Ambien. But I can't imagine just doing that sober. 
Do you ever worry? Do you ever worry that she's going to think that you're not attracted to her if you don't? Uh, I don't fuck her when no, you. No, because her normally, I, I wish we were at my house right now so I could just go grab my trash can. We normally fuck like what? six times a day. Six grab times your a trash day. can. Huh? Yeah, wait, what are you doing? Dra- trash grab can? your trash Condoms. can. Condoms. Oh, oh son. God, Jesus Christ! The national average is six <clears throat> times a month. I know that's what my normal average is too. I'm but, below the average I, for fucking paraplegics. I'm, she's one of the. I'm very lucky because she's one of those girls that you could just touch her in the arms. She goes, oh, oh. I you know, like that. It says she's just fucking like she, the other day. Why do I find listening to you fuck talks so distasteful? <laughs> the other day, the other day. There's something about it. Just I'm like I'm going like this with my mouth. <laughs> she's one of those girls that always grabs your hand when you're just in the middle of a conversation, and she just puts her hand in her pussy, and it's just like juicy. Oh, one life. of those girls? Yeah, was, yeah. Those don't exist in my world. Okay. okay? They know never. No, I've never had a. Well, you, you have a very small like test yeah. group you're yeah. working with. No, Eight not, people. I'm target marking out of Iowa. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how Rice Krispies sell only in this one city. Didn't you say that your show is um, targeted, like that whole network is targeted towards women? Towards women, yeah. What's network? He's travel on the Travel Channel, which, by the way, one of my favorite shows. Two, two of my favorite shows, uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations. I fucking love fucking that show. Great. It's a great show. And made it really recommended some great restaurants to me. Because of that show, I found out about a, a great seafood place. God, I can't remember the name. In Austin. It would be great if I could pull the name out of my ass. But it was a fantastic seafood place in Austin that I found out about. I found out about uh, places in L.A. I found out about a place in L.A., a Mexican joint that serves goats. Okay? They have giant fucking, like, like sides of goat. And they're sawing it with a bandsaw oh. and cooking it all together. They cook, like, hundreds of pounds of goat every day. It's amazing. And I found out about a bunch of great places. And then also that Steve Rinella show. Yeah. That you said did not get such good ratings, though, huh? Uh, yeah, maybe it shouldn't be done. Yeah, but no, it, it didn't, might be do, done. didn't do amazing. Are they going to bring it back, you think? Uh, I doubt it. Really? I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm speculating. I don't, what the fuck do yeah, I know? Yeah, I know yeah. nothing. I know nothing. Good yeah, fucking yeah, show. He's, he's but guessing. yeah, it was a good show. But, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, for a first season show, you, you kind of got to hit a home run. Hmm. I mean, it, there, there's because it's, you know, people get just as excited about new projects as they do successes. But they don't get excited for shows that did pretty good. Well, also, when you're dealing with a women-based network, man, it's going to be hard to promote a show about I think, hunting. I think all I think all networks, other, I mean, almost all networks really target women. No, that's, no, not at all. No, not 18, Spike 18 and not to 34. Central, no, no, 18 to 34 males. 18 to 34 males are where the money is. That's what they always target. Really? Yeah, maybe always. That, maybe I got our demographic off, but I could have swear. My, as far you. as, I mean, obviously you can make a lot of money if you're Oprah, but as far as like, you know, yeah. the, the people that spend the most, it's 18 to 34-year-old males. That's yeah. the 18 to 49 occasionally, depending on how far they want to stretch their demographic. I like but 23 I bet, to 52. But I bet, I bet travel and food network, and there's a couple of those that all do women. I could see that totally. Oh, Even I love the food network. And Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain's show is very male centric. I would think. You know the way he discusses things and talks about things and drinks a lot. And he's a fun fucking show. Yeah, but I think I think even like uh, Adam Richmond's show is very women love it. But women like. I mean, I think women will watch a guy they 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 want to connect with. Connect with. Right. Like. You know, that's what I think was a big fear of my show is that I'm kind of a meathead frat. I'm like a, a Forrest Gump frat boy. Right. So, like, who wants to watch a guy scream all over the world and, and jump? And then They underestimated your charm. Exactly. That's what I Bitches. said. But, Bitches uh, but, need to step. But now they, but it, our show's doing good. And, and so. And you told me this Adam Richmond guy, this man versus food, he got so fucking fat that he doesn't even do the challenges anymore? I never said that, Joe. Oh, okay. You didn't say that. No, I didn't what say I that. What I heard on the internet. Fucking Jesus It wasn't you. Christ. I'm sorry. It wasn't you. 
What I heard on the internet was that this guy got so fucking fat that he doesn't do the challenges anymore. Is no, that true? No, he no, he's not doing the challenges anymore. What that the is fuck true. is that? He's. I think that's look, the whole I, show. I, though. I don't think he got fat. I think he just fucked his body up. Whoa. I think it's just very unhealthy. It was the reason why I said this is there was yeah. a thread about it on my message board. This is yeah. a long time ago before I even talked to anybody about it, and uh, it showed a picture of him from season one. To what season is he in now? Season four. Poor fuck. Yeah, he's but he's his body just you know he does all the like cleanses and. And detoxes and, and even still was just like was like fuck I'm, it's you well, he's eating thirty pound cheeseburgers. You and can't shit. do that show. You can't do that show for six seasons for twenty seasons. So they had to kind of change it. I think to make it more of a sustainable show for so it could carry on that long. And so now it's called Man vs Food Nation, and they're doing it where he brings in like they did the Nasty Boys in Tampa where the. Challenge. I mean, I should, definitely shouldn't be talking about his show. Don't but, talk about his show, bro. But, uh, but is, yeah. Is Don- Let's talk about Bert the motherfucking Conqueror yeah. <laughs> and tell these bitches when they can watch it. When is it on? Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. I will now set my DVR. Bert Please. is a fucking hero. He's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. That is the Best nicest you, you're a fucking. You're an awesome dude, man. You got a great laugh. You got a great personality. Your stories are the shit. Pretty Please lips. tell that fucking Barnes & Noble story on stage. It's going to be a crusher, dude. It's a, it, And you can do that Russian one too. Bert Kreischer, if you want to follow Bert on Twitter, you can follow him. It is B E R T K R E I S C H E R. That's a complicated ass yeah, fucking you name. Change you should change that. Like that Bert shit. is cool or something. Yeah. Like that. Can you change your handle? Bert yeah. is the you shit. Change Bert at, you, I, yeah. Yeah. I used to be JoeRogan.net. It used to be D O T N E T, but it was so long. It was impossible to retweet me. Like if I said anything funny, like you would have to like chop it all up because there was too many words. Oh, like yeah. if I tried to use, like I used to think like the new Twitter, you can retweet something and it just retweets it in its entirety. You know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a separate 140 characters, but it used to not be that. It used to be that when you retweeted something, you had to account for all the characters inside their name. Yeah, you you know? don't have to do that anymore? No, no, you don't Almost. have to do that anymore. On, on Twitter, you just hit retweet and it can just take care of it the way it is. So I, I anyway, and some dude had Joe Rogan. He had Wait, to, what can I change mine to? Just do it. Make sure it's something that is memorable. You don't have to do your last name like Bert K or... How about Bert likes to fuck? <laughs> yeah. Or the, Bert the Machine. And tell your wife about it just all nonchalantly. Bert yeah, I changed my uh, Twitter name to Bert likes to fuck. <laughs> what? What? Bert likes to fuck who? I just like it in general. Yeah, I just like it. It's I'm not awesome. saying I don't like it with it's you. It's the awesomest. It's the greatest Man, thing ever. T- your fans are ridiculous on Twitter. I went last time I did this show. I got like three thousand fans. Really? Twitter. Well, we want you to get three thousand more today. And you know, and anytime I told you, anytime you ever have a show, please let me know, and I'll tweet it, and uh, we'll pump it up on the podcast. I want, I want one of those so bad. You want a flashlight? I got one for you. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It's, I got it's one. so awkward to buy one. Well, you don't have to buy one. I'll give you a free one. Joe used that Seriously? one last night. No, he said. I didn't use that one. I haven't used any of the ones that are laying around here. If you go to uh, JoeRogan.net and click the link, we want to thank first of all thank the flashlight for being our sponsor it's a cool company and you know it's embarrassing for a lot of people and now it's become 10 minutes uh, of my act right now i did it's a joke i made strong a, i made a joke the other day on stage i don't remember the reference i don't know how it came out but i made a joke about a fleshlight and said uh i said yeah and then just type in the promo code rogan and the place <laughs> went fucking bananas because they were podcast yeah, and, I, and i but it was in irvine and i just oh, said just type in the uh Promo Rogan. And they fucking went crazy. That's hilarious. Like, well, you shit. said you had a lot of people come up to you in Dude, I have more people come up to me from your show than my TV show. Wow. That is, I mean, it's, a, and I love it because it's, your your comedy fans are like straight up comedy fans. Yeah. Like they don't fucking heckle. They don't, they don't like drink too much and get fucking kicked out. They're just good. Like just random, random. I told you a girl from HGTV listens to this. 
Yeah. Like a woman, one of the heads of directors of HGTV was like, I heard you on the Rogan podcast. Really? HDTV? HG. That's Home and Garden. Home and Garden. Oh, I thought you were talking about HD. Which, that makes no. sense because that's like the no. fight network. And they were like straight up like, I was like, shut up. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hi to her. Hey. You know, listen, the best thing about this podcast is that we, we develop like a real <laughs> connection with all these people. And it's like, you know, what people tell me is it's like they're hanging out with us. You know what I mean? I t- I, dude, the best testament to this show, and I swear this on my children, when I'm on the road, I'll put on the podcast and put it on low in the pillow next to me and just feel like I'm listening to friends talking in the other room. And it puts me to sleep and I just go. And then I, but a lot of times where I had to stop because I would whip your dick out a, and feel weird. A, yeah. I can't do it to a new one because I'll end up listening to the whole fucking thing. Oh, right. I have right, to right. do the old reruns and it needs to be Ari. Like someone, someone Ari's your friend. Great energy. Like just very like, mm hmm, mm hmm. And I, I've listened to the one where you guys... <laughs> Is that your Ari impression? But the one where you guys had the blackout? Yeah. Still, yeah. I listen to that a million times because I love listening wow. to... I love Stalker. that he passes out halfway through. Yeah, and he then... was completely gone. Well, <laughs> Joey got so tired because he ate a cookie and he smoked joints and he hit the, hit the bag. He hit the vaporizer bag too. <laughs> He gets so hot. He he goes down a downward spiral. Joey's the reason why I found out the difference between indicas and sativas. Really? Because I never smoked indicas. I really didn't realize that the, there was so much of a difference until I smoked Joey's weed. Me and Brian and Duncan were hanging out in Houston, Texas. We were in the lobby of the hotel, and we were just sitting there slack-jawed, and no one was moving. No one was going anywhere. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with us? And then, and then I think it was Duncan that realized it, right? He goes, I think we just smoked Joey's weed. <laughs> Oh no, what have we done? Because Joey just like, I just like to get blasted, dog. I don't give a fuck, all right? OG Kush, what do you got there? Third eye, train wreck, come with it, bitches. Come with it. He'll, he'll just, whatever the fuck you got, man, he'll smoke it. But he, he used to be on, he doesn't do it anymore. Now he likes hybrids, which are good because hybrids give you like that heady thing, but it also relaxes you. It's good, like good for comedy. I'm, I'm, when I, when I fucking, whenever I get the chance to have a regular life, I'll, maybe I'll take up weed smoking then, but I can't do it now. I'm, I'm fucking all over the place. You could, dude. Look, we're going to get you in an isolation tank. We're going to get you some exercise videos to follow. We are going to rebuild Burt Kreischer. Thank you to The Fleshlight for uh, sponsoring our show. If you go to JoeRogan.net, click in the code name Rogan, you get 15% off. Folks who are uh, interested in coming to uh, see me in Toronto, there's very few tickets left. They're almost out, and the only way you can get them now, Ticketmaster sold out, but if you go to my um, Twitter there's a there's a link for the Massey Hall is um, where I'm playing and they have uh, they have tickets available on their website but that's it and I can't fucking wait it's gonna be awesome I can't wait to go there thank you everybody that came to Portland Portland was the shit one of my new favorite towns thanks one of the everyone fucking nicest awesome people place. ever nicest people everybody was super cool and like I said never been handed more weed ever yeah. in my life after shows it was I felt bad I had to yeah. like take your weed I can't take this I know I, just not, I have too much I can't bring it home with me. Um, Philly, Philly is all sold out, I believe. We put in a second show Thursday night, and that might be the only thing that's the, there's tickets left. So that's Helium in Philly, which is next weekend, and that's with Joey and Ari. It's the full Death Squad, wow. bitches. Brian would go, but his girl's having her birthday, and he has to eat her box. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so, um, so that's it, folks, and we'll see you Thursday. And uh, Friday uh, is going to be uh, Kevin from Attack of the Show. Oh, really? We've got a special, yeah, special think, Friday yes. episode. The guy, I don't know how to Kevin Pereira. Pereira. How do you Pereira? pronounce his last name? Kevin. Pereira. Whatever. I know this. That guy. He's very cool. I'm, I've known him many times, and I never. I don't forget how to. We'll figure it out. We're going to get to the bottom of this, and that'll be Friday at, th- at 3, and somebody else on Thursday. I'm not sure. Maybe Steve Ren is easy if he's home. All 
right, bitches? You know, I love you. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for coming out to all the shows and for everything you do and for being a part of this fucking crazy experience we're all going through together. Bert Kreischer's in the motherfucking house, ladies and gentlemen. Bert Kreischer. <laughs> Bert Kreischer! <laughs> Thank you, Bert. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Brian. Nah. Subscribe to Death Squad. Watch my show this Sunday. Yeah, watch Bert Kreischer's show. Please. Please.